0: Sils, yes sir baby week three national football show senior thank you very much man we had a great time talking to the rock and i know many of you checked it out and thank you so much man gotta thank my guy tone for making that interview happen too man he did it on the weekend on his time and uh Put it all together and Rock's people just were absolutely thrilled with the way Tone was so easy to work with. So Tone, we throw a lot of love out to you here on making that whole thing happen. So before we get started, okay, before we get started, you know, yesterday was a little chaotic behind the scenes a little bit here. So we're going to start our Hooters gift certificate giveaway opportunities for you again. Here's our winners that won last week mark muser aka nj fishing maniac congratulations to you from jersey and andy snyder from delaware last week's winners so now you get an opportunity today with all you have to do is send us an email simple give us all your information on you being able to give us an idea where you are in the world and you get an opportunity to win some Hooters gift certificates, simple as that, and we'll give you a shot. You get the email up. All you have to do is send us that email, and we're going to have a code word that is going to be out there throughout the program over the next three hours, and all you have to do is identify that code word, and you get a chance to win yourself an opportunity to get those great gift certificates from our friends at Hooters. There's the information we need. The email is dancilioshow at gmail.com, and you'll see that code word throughout the entire show that will be popping up every now and then. So we look forward to you being part of this thing, and we'll name the winners next week. Thank you so much. Just like Mark and Andy here, one last week's gift certificates. Before we start out with Eagles NFL, I do want to hit on one thing with the National Football League. And most notably with the Browns. Um, you know, it's two weeks, right? I'm starting to think and starting to lean on the side. If the Browns don't get this right at quarterback, this is, this is maybe turning into one of the absolute biggest disasters in the history of paying quarterbacks. It might be even a bigger disaster than what we just saw in San Francisco with Trey Lance. You know, there wasn't a financial number around that. There were a lot of draft picks in future. You never know what you're getting when it comes to draft picks. But when you put that economic stranglehold on your salary cap like that, and that guy is not panning out and working out, you got it also going on right now in Denver. Look at how important getting that decision at the quarterback position is. Dude, I would, I would die in a sword for those three first round picks that San Francisco may have lost if Purdy works out and they get to an NFC title game. I'm going to swallow that. But $230 million guaranteed. Dude, that's a lot of money on your cap. And you you gave up at King's Ransom to get him, to to Houston. That might be the biggest disaster. It's two games. They're one and one, okay? But he has not looked good so far, okay? He, he has not looked good so far. You know what? I never thought about that, Scott. Baker Mayfield is playing better football right now than Deshaun Watson is. That's a fact. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mayfield's playing better football than Deshaun Watson right now. Yes, sir. And by the way, that number is falling. It was at seven at one time. It's now five for the next Monday night game the first game of the doubleheader on ESPN, that number is falling. So let's move on here. By the way, that injury to Nick Chubb. Let me ask you guys something. Let me go here with you on this, with Nick Chubb. Um, let's go here with Nick Chubb here. The running back position in the National Football League. Got to say this to you, man. Why should these running backs put their ass on the line? Why should they put their asses on the line all the time when it comes to playing through injuries? You know, we pray for a speedy recovery. We pray for all his health. But if you're a running back in the NFL, remember, remember guys I told you? If you're a running back in the NFL, why would I go the extra mile when the National Football League doesn't want to go the extra mile for me? It just makes no sense. Why should I do that? When you're not going the extra mile. Chubb gets injured last night, catastrophic injury last night. I you know ESPN's getting kudos for not playing it. Okay, I guess. I guess. Why would you want to play that anyway? You know, what are you going to do? Public executions, airing them? No one wants to see devastating injuries to players. You know, well, again maybe it's America because we stop on highways when it comes to accidents. We slow down to see if anybody dies on the highway. So maybe that's part of the draw to it. I don't know. But, uh, boy, you feel for Nick Chubb, great football player. Uh, A career-threatening injury last night to him. All right. Let's move on here. So Nick Sirianni said that the Eagles are looking for Bradbury, Gainwell, and Blankenship. Potentially to be able to be ready for this coming Monday. Let me ask you something about Nick Sirianni before we move on here. Do you think Nick Sirianni is a good coach? I'm going to make a comparison to another coach in the league here. How many believe that Nick's the right guy for the Eagles? Getting a little testy, isn't he? And he's 2-0. Funny, isn't it? I, I, I don't know five-star if he's soft. Puppet? No. Hey, go along, get along in today's NFL. That, I, I'm not criticizing that. I'm not criticizing that. Okay? Bruce goes, I never liked to hire. Interesting. Okay? A good clown coach. Huh? I'll tell you what, there's more dissenters today than there have been in the past. JM goes, depends on how he handles this Johnson dilemma. Pete says, elite coach. Quan goes, 25 and 11 ain't soft. I'm glad Quan brought that up. 25 and 11. Well, I want to throw something at you over the first three years of Matt LaFleur's coaching career. He was 39 and 10 with an 800 win percentage. You think Matt LaFleur is a good coach? Is Matt LaFleur a good coach? 39 and 10. Hey, Kwan, 39 and 10. Rogers. Oh, wait a minute. Hurts. Whoa! Wait a minute. Hurts. Oh, so you're giving him credit for the twenty-five and eleven. So Matt Lafleur must be an even better coach then. You think so? Is Matt Lafleur? Matt Lafleur has a great record. Developing a brand new quarterback too in the process. I was thirty nine and ten. His first three years, would you consider him one of the elite coaches in the NFL? Everyone's going to land on the pot of Aaron Rodgers, of course they are. Having Rodgers makes that job a bit easier. Well, I thought having Hurts on the job makes it easier. But I think he will find out more about Lafleur this year with how he develops love. So then, we really don't know how good Nick Sirianni is as a coach, right, Tom? If if if, if Jalen's not there, how do you know Sirianni's a good coach? Sirianni was two and five as his play caller; he wasn't helping him. Sirianni's elite, so then Matt Lafleur's elite. Right? See, I'm just trying to use the same metric you're using. Well, hey, Rogers makes it easy for LaFleur. Well, I'm going to apply that same metric that you did for Matt LaFleur to Nick Sirianni. Common sense would tell me that's how you gauge quarterbacks and coaches. Look at Bill Belichick and Brady, another great comparison. Over 20 years of those two guys working together. By the way, just five years ago, Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl 14-7. to Brady had nothing to do with that Super Bowl. That was a defensive wizard coach game. 14-7. Brady was, made a couple of plays, but nothing great in that game. Belichick, that was a 14-7 to gem. A gem. That was just five years ago. What did Brady do in that Super Bowl? Brady was terrible in that Super Bowl. You're going to give him the credit for that? 14-7? Really? Okay. Interesting how you see coaches. We found out when Hurts got injured last year. Hertz misses two games, Sirianni 0 2. Wow. That's a great I hadn't thought of that. You're right. So think about this on what Tonja said. When Sirianni was the play caller, Hertz was 2 and 5. When Hertz left the field, Sirianni was 0 2. Not a real good record to hang your hat on. <laughs> If Jalen Hurts is not on the field. So how do you know if Sirianni's a good coach or not? That's always been my point. You don't know that. You have no clue. Most of the time, this shit comes down to coaching and personnel decisions. Hey, and by the way, Mitch, you just won a game last week. With Shane Steichen. Wasn't bad. What was it? 17 to 21, 171 and a touchdown. He wasn't poor. They won a football game. If you include 2001, Sirianni's one and three, what hurts off the field. So when you start talking to me about your coach in Philadelphia, I am so not sold on him yet. I am so not sold. I don't know how he coaches in adverse. See, it's great to be a front runner. And that's what, hey, you're right. By the way, I, I agree with you. Dude, Matt LaFleur, 39 and 10, 800 win percentage. Shit, dude. That's a lot of winning. Three straight years of 13 and 3? Dude, that's a lot of winning. Rogers leaves the room? I don't know. I don't know. LJ goes, Sills is so mad you're 2 and 0. Bucks are 2 and 0. I mean, would you consider the Buccaneers a great team? They're 2 and 0. The the Commanders are 2 and 0. Would you consider them a good team? You're not playing good football right now, and you know it. You're 31st in pass defense you're giving up 400 yards a game in offense. So before you start barking about how good you are, okay, before you start barking how good you are, I'd sit there and take a look and remember what we said. Tone and I both said this months ago. Hey, this thing's going to take some time. Pat's better D than... All four of the Super Bowls, not all Tom Brady and TB12. First two Super Bowls, I thought were defensive. Gems by Belichick and, and special teams, actually. Okay? Special teams. Not playing good football at 2-0. Yeah. You think the commanders look great? Buccaneers look great? You played Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins and had a last possession drive against you. You had a 20-point lead and a 16-point lead and surrendered it. You think you're playing good ball? You think your quarterback's playing well? How about this? It's regressed. I want to hit on that here in a minute. About the passing offense regressing. Again, it's early. I get it. Totally get it. But he didn't lose anybody really except Miles Sanders. But let me ask you something here. Before we get into the topics, okay? Dick Vermeer was on WIP today, and he was talking about Jalen Carter. And he was talking about Jalen Carter, and he compared him to Reggie White. And I was kind of taken by that comment. Eric Biennami's cooking over there in Washington, Death Row says. Dick Vermeil compared Jalen Carter to Reggie White. How many people favor that comparison to Reggie White? Comparing Jalen Carter, I'm not saying he's not wrong. Okay, JoJo thinks he's Reggie White. Reggie White's first four years, he had 70 sacks. You see that coming out of him? You think Jalen Carter gets 70 sacks in four years? Do you really? Do you really see 70 sacks in four years? That's his first 4 years, Reggie Whites. 70. In 4 years. Do you understand that Brandon Graham has played over a decade and has 50? Quan, I didn't make the comparison. Vermeil did. He might not be that off, though, and I'm going to tell you why here. Remember something here. When Reggie White got into the NFL, he was 24, okay? He had played the 84 and 85 season with the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL. And in his first year, he had 12 sacks. The second year, he had 11 and a half. When Reggie got into the NFL, he was 24, not 21. That's a huge difference. In maturity, playing against pro guys. And remember something about that USFL. Many of those guys that played in that league, especially in the O&D lines, okay? Especially in the O&D lines, went on to play in the NFL. So Reggie was kind of conditioned to play in the NFL when he got into the NFL by the USFL. I mean, he was playing against Jim Kelly. He was playing against Ken Hall, who played forever up in Buffalo. Shit, man, that Philadelphia Stars team, Irv Eatman, very good, Chuck. Shit, man, Irv Eatman, was a star with the Philadelphia Stars. He was a great O-lineman. There were a ton of good players to get yourself ready once you came into the NFL. So when Vermeil is saying, this kid looks like Reggie White, he's probably looking at the 84 Reggie White with the Birmingham Stallions. Had 12 sacks. That's more realistic. When Reggie came in at 24... His first four years were the best four years by a defensive lineman, pass rushing wise, I have ever seen in my lifetime. Okay. 70 sacks in four years, he's not going to go near that. However, maybe by the time he's 28, he'll have 70. Like, could he be Aaron Donald? You know, at first, I was like this when I heard that. 70 sacks over his career, 70. Okay, 70 sacks. So get this. How many years has Brandon Graham played, Tone? He's got 70 sacks. How many years has Brandon Graham played? I first thought that this comparison by Vermeil was over the top. But then I started dissecting a little bit because, hey, by the way, I think he's a very gifted defensive lineman, and he could be better than Jerome. And I've been saying that since draft day, that he could be better than Jerome Brown. Okay? He could be. It's taken Brandon Graham 14 years to get 70 sacks. It took Reggie four. That's a pretty tall order. And you got an extra game now. Okay? And you have an extra game. But Reggie was primed and prepped by really playing in a second league before he got to the NFL. Seals, when are you going to say you're not sold on Carter? Um, Carson, I said that he was the best player in the draft on draft day. I've never said he wasn't. BG and Carter are two different people. Anyway... So when Vermeer was making those comparisons to him and Reggie, and what I would think what Dick was saying was the impact of the type of player. See, to me, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and it's going to come off absolute. When are you going to apologize to Davis? At the end of the year, Batman. We'll see how the Eagles play towards the end of the year, and if he can maintain this because he got out to a great start last year and turned into a turd. We'll see if that happens again. Um, I think that he has more physical attributes than Aaron Donald, Jalen Carter. Why do I say that? Aaron Donald doesn't play the run. Jalen Carter plays the run. He's a more versatile defensive tackle than Aaron Donald, at least in my opinion, skill set-wise. Aaron Donald's one-dimensional. He's a pass rusher. He does not play the run. He's never played the run. Again, that's the NFL of today, though. Not playing the run. I like that. 2 5 he is. That's kind of the better comparison is SAP okay, is sap, okay, it's probably sap, all right, is probably sap, because sap was a multi, multi-dimensional multi player, he played the run, they run those great buck teams in the early 2000s, and Warren played the run and got you 17 sacks, Donald doesn't do this, I think, Aaron, and plus, here's the other thing, Physical stature-wise, Aaron Donald's six feet tall. This guy's six four and a half, three hundred and twenty-five 325 pounds. I mean, his presence alone, he's bigger in the middle. This guy has the chance to be like that guy in New York with the Jets, Quentin Williams, like that. Quentin Williams, in my opinion, him and Chris Jones, got to throw Donald still in there. Are the preeminent defensive tackles in the sport right now? Uh, The guy in Washington, too, probably. You could probably put that in there. Guy in Washington, too. Okay? Chris Jones is probably right now the number one guy next to Quentin Williams and Donald. As much as I hate to put Donald in the top three, because I don't think he is a complete DT. I like defensive tackles that are complete, not one-dimensional. And I get today in the NFL, man, it's all about pass rushing and getting pressure. It's not so much about stopping the run. The guy in Tampa's pretty good. Vitave is pretty damn good. That guy's a horse. He's, and Jason Kelsey has struggled this year so far. He was better in the Viking game, but he was terrible in in the New England game. Already, your quarterback has had seven sacks. That's that number's so high compared to last year. He's getting hit more. He's totally getting hit more. So at first, again, when I heard Vermeil on IP today, and I heard him saying this guy reminds me of Reggie, I went, "This guy's high. This is this this is old man talking." Then he started thinking about it, and I looked at the numbers right away. And then I realized Reggie was 24 when he came into the NFL. In his first year, I think he had those 13 sacks. And I went, well, wait a minute, he's 24. This kid's 21, I think. Shit, he may be 20. I mean, Jalen Carter may be 20. I don't know. I think he's 21. This guy's got a lot more growth. When, when Reggie came in, there has been no guy in pro football I like that, too. Jeffrey Simmons, man. Okay? Jeffrey Simmons is a heck of a ball player, too. Carter? Outstanding ball player. Carter has 11 pressures, third most in the NFL, coming off the bench with suspect secondary, according to you. It is a suspect secondary, Prince. You're 31st and past. Look, Look at what Prince just says. According to you, a suspect secondary? And you're 31st versus Mac Jones. Dude, it's not according to me. It's according to your play. It's according to your play. Not me. Actually, the way your secondary is played has nothing to do with me. You're almost last in pass defense versus bums or Kirk Cousins, the hall of fame of fantasy football for sure. Okay. And now Mac Jones is elite. (laughs) Well, wait till you get a hold of the good ones. You're going to be, you haven't played a good quarterback yet. And you got it. Hey, but what you have played though, it's two D coordinators that have figured you out already. Now you get another one that's going to figure you out. Even more so, he's got more intel. Todd Bowles. Why do you think that number has cl- climbed down from seven to five? Because they don't believe in your defense. I do think that offense is going to turn around here in a second. I do. It better, or you'll start losing games. I still think you're going to win only 11 ball games this year. We'll see. You're 2-0, just like the 2-0 bucks. Personally, I'm more impressed with what the Bucks have done than you. I thought the Bucs would be 0-2. They got a wide receiver averaging 120 yards a game. You got the same wide receiver averaging 20 yards a catch. You got a quarterback that's throwing 70% completion percentage and 2-0. Actually, Baker Mayfield's outplayed Hurts. I don't know more passing yards per game team looks good defense is only surrendering 17 points unlike you you're scoring more points absolutely but so far (laughs) Baker's Baker actually is making Cleveland look stupid so let's move into this now Okay hey, by the way, tone. Um, at 430 Eastern, we're going to have Baird Brooks at 5:30 Eastern, Philly 500. So we'll get those two guys on tone in the timeout. I'll send you over um, all of uh, B Brooks's um, unless you have it tone Barrett Brooks's information. Um, okay, great. okay, so 4:30 Eastern. Barrett's going to join us from NBC Sports Philadelphia. That'll be at 4.30, and then Philly 500 will join us at 5 o'clock or 5.30 Eastern. That'll be an hour number three. All right. Let's do this here. So Dallas Goddard was also on WIP today, and he's very disappointed in his role in the passing game. That makes the second Philadelphia Eagle disappointed in his role in the Eagle passing game. This next game, they're going to force the ball to A.J. because they don't want him crying. Funny you should say that. So you had a player moaning on the sidelines and A.J. Brown, and now you got a player moaning on the air over the Philadelphia airwaves saying that I'm very disappointed in my role in the passing offense. So you got two guys in your passing game that are publicly disappointed in the passing game right now. Am I wrong? I listened to the interview. He didn't want a single Jalen out or Brian Johnson, the OC. So what he did was he used himself. Who's the other? A.J. Brown. The argument on the sideline. I'm open. Who's bitching? I just told you, Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown. That's not an opinion. We saw it and heard it. This is not an opinion. Goddard went on the air today, and Philly's saying, I'm disappointed in my role in this offense. A.J. was on the sideline bitching about being open and not getting the ball to him. What else do you need to know? I can guarantee you that conversation on the sideline wasn't about what they were going to eat for dinner and there was a contradiction in who was going to pick up the tab. Dallas Goddard quote, my part in this past game hasn't been as big as I want it to be yet, but I believe it'll com- it will come. come, Okay. He believes it will come. Many of you do, too. But the run game that just gives me an opportunity to go out there and kind of impose my will on people. The back end of that comment, in my opinion, is nothing. The front end of that comment is the context of the comment. My part in the passing game hasn't been as big as I wanted it to be yet. The rest of that is for the media to dissect it and soften the blow. Okay, The other part of that is so you don't put a direct bullseye on Hertz and Brian Johnson and Sirianni. The front end of a comment is what you look at because that's the context of a comment. It's called a topic sentence. The rest of it's filler. My part in the passing game hasn't been as big as I want it to be yet. That's the quote. That's the exact quote. The rest of it, dissect it any way you will. Doing this too long to know what a bullshit back end is to make sure you soften it so you don't target your quarterback. That's the difference between me and many people. I'm behind the mic and been in front of the mic. Okay? So, and you had a wide receiver on the sidelines bitching at your quarterback. That's not bitching. You're trying to spin it. You're the media now. So wait a minute. You didn't see a wide receiver bitching at Hertz. And you couldn't read that quote and know exactly what he was saying. Wow. Because you want to hear what you want to hear. Well, let's get into it. Two games in. Agreed. Two games in. Why has the passing game regressed? Shit, the Cowboys got a brand new coordinator. They look great. Rhythm, timing. The offense looks like it. I mean, Pollard is a factor. I mean, the whole thing looks great. Tell you what, it's been an upgrade for the Cowboys having Mike McCarthy as a play caller over Kellen Moore. Chargers are on, too. That's because Brian Johnson and Nick don't know how to read defenses from the sideline and make adjustments. That's quarterback's responsibility, isn't it? JoJo goes, we look great at 2-0. So do the Bucks? Let me one more time. How, why has the passing game regressed where you got players wondering what their roles are in the passing game? Oh, and he's right. He gets to inflict his will in the run game because that's who you are. You're not, a you know, that's right. You got two players questioning their role in the passing game. What's happened? Pretty much the same personnel. What's happened? Missing Isaac Sayamalo? Could be. Seven sacks. I don't quite frankly, I really don't think the offensive line is pass protected very well. They don't look very good. Run blocking, they're they're spectacular. Pass probe, they're not. It's been okay. Dak has 23 yards more than Hurts over two games. How is it? Wheels, why do you have two offensive players complaining about their passing roles? One guy did it publicly on the sidelines in a game, and the other guy is not happy with his role in the passing game now, but he's, what was it? Let me go over here. He's thrilled to death that he can go into the run game and inflict his will giving me more i'm talking about your passing game you still have two guys complaining about the roles what's changed can it really be brian johnson is it all brian johnson let me say this to you who do you blame more in this for you having personnel guys complaining about their roles. By the way, you could dissect anything you want. All you have to do is hear the guy talking and see the guy complaining. You don't need a UN translator. What's changed? Anyone? OC. OC's bad. So it's all on Brian Johnson. I thought it was the same offense. So it's Brian Johnson's responsibility. Well, that's funny. That's Howie's. So Howie hired the wrong coach. Is that what you're saying? Or or is it Nick? Some of you think it's Nick. So how he hired the wrong coach, is that right? Last year, he hired all the right coaches. Both those guys got head coaching jobs. So this year, with better personnel, he hired the wrong guy. Is that right? See, actually, I'll tell you this. I actually think Sean Desai, with all the broken pieces that they have on defense, I actually think he's doing an okay job over there. I actually do, even with the pass defense being where it is. He's got a lot of injuries he's dealing with. Even Reddick's injury is a factor. I think the side, and I believe that they're winning ball games with two reasons. I think they're winning, winning it with their run defense and their run game. That they're they're not playing very well in their pass game and in their pass defense. They're winning it because of their run defense, and also their run offense. And until those other components come around and they can figure it out, throwing the ball, we said they could not afford having three and outs. And that's the reason why you're seeing the 31st-ranked pass defense, because the offense is fluttering and it's stuttering out of the gate. And we said that couldn't happen. And then when you start sustaining injuries, that is going to be a disaster. You're 2-0, and absolutely absolutely you're 2-1-0 because you have the better personnel versus these two teams you've played if you play a better quarterback or you play one of these elite guys look at look at what brian flores had he had a shit defense it's one of the worst defensive groups in the entire league that viking team's not making the playoffs and nor is that patriot team they're that those teams ain't making the playoffs we're not going back to the Super Bowl. And I'm okay with it. You shouldn't be, Turner. Because the NFC's not that good. The the top teams got... To me, I think the 49ers got better. And I think the Cowboys got better. Now, the Brandon Ayuk injury could be an issue. Because I think he's been their best wide receiver in San Francisco. Okay? I do. I think he's better than Debo Samuel. Christian McCaffrey has... Christian McCaffrey and I would say... uh, Tony Pollard in Dallas, have been spectacular. They've been spectacular. So you're blaming the offensive coordinator. Okay, what's the offensive coordinator doing wrong in your eyes that has changed this offense around? Just I'm trying to get a sense on where you guys are thinking on why the offensive coordinator is not the right fit so far. Because quite frankly, get this, you lost... Is Miles Sanders more of an issue than we thought? Why did you deactivate or not deactivate? Not use DeAndre Swift in game one. Turns around gets 173 yards in game two. And you didn't play him in game one. Now, is that a coaching decision? Was was that a game plan decision? And, And by the way, What's Rashad Penny doing on the roster? What's he doing on the roster? I mean, is, is he part of a fifty-three man roster? Why do you have him on the roster? He's been a non-factor. I mean, what do you? What, what are you just trying to like save him until the playoffs? Okay, I guess I don't know. Um, What has changed so far out of the gate? I'll tell you what, I thought Jalen was great in that Detroit game. I thought he was great in the Washington game. I think Washington was the second game last year. Am I right? Um, What's changed? What's different? Well, you got two guys, however you want to look at it, that are not happy with their roles in the offense. Brown and Goddard. Anyone? So you're just going to blame the OC. $250 million is not affecting that guy. It is not affecting Jalen Hurts. The money is the least thing. It's the Z. If there's a list from A to Z, the money's Z. The money is Z in my eyes, okay? That's not a kid that's going to be swayed or changed by money, okay? He's not chasing money. Comes with the rewards of success, but I don't look at him as the guy that's chasing that. I look at a guy like that that's part of the rewards for hard work. And like I said, there's a list A to Z. That's Z. Nowhere near the top. $250 million. Okay? People on here said the Vikings have a great passing defense. It's ridiculous. Their whole defense blows. Barb, it's terrible. That defense, there's nothing on that defense. Zero. Zero. Vikings have one of the worst groups on the planet. Uh, But they have a good coordinator in Brian Flores. Uh, That's coaching. Remember I told you, NFL is coaching. You have to have better coaches because when you don't hit on players and you pay them, you got to play them anyway. That's why when you see in the NFL some guys that – you go like this, why is he on the roster? Why is he playing? You got to pay him. And if you're paying him, you got to coach him. That's part of the mistake. That's why the thing I said, and I opened the show with Watson, you traded draft choices away, and you got a ton of money, $230 million guaranteed, all wrapped up in that guy, that could be the biggest disaster in the history of the National Football League. If that doesn't start looking better, elite goes. Burrow's zero two. He has sucked too. Yeah, dude, you have you're under some impre- impression here. I'm not an equal offender. I'm an equal offender. Okay, I thought Josh Allen was spectacular this past weekend against the Raiders. Couple drops, couple misses, three touchdowns, no turnovers. They reeled him in. There was no real plus twenty-five. Absolutely. He was great in that Raider game. Justin Herbert, oh, and two. He sucked too. Oh, and Kellen Moore was the OC for Dak last year. Huh. Interesting. Remember what I told you yesterday about coordinators? Can I tell you what Brian Johnson's biggest problem is? Brian Johnson's not looking to win games. He's looking to put points and numbers up. Passing yards. 99% of the coordinators, this is what their job is. To score points and to put up as many yards as they can. Mike McCarthy taking over is trying to win a game. Shane Steichen is trying to win a game. Some coordinators want to put a lot of yards up. Some coordinators want to put a lot of points up because that's their role. Some coordinators get it, and those are the ones that go on to be good head coaches. That's why Mike McCarthy and Andy Reid Punting is okay. Playing in your special teams is okay. How many times do you see teams that put up a shit like having Kellen Moore in Los Angeles is a downgrade? He wants to put as many points up as he can, he wants to put as many yards as he can, but they're empty calories. You're not winning games. You're not helping your team. Run the freaking ball. You got a lead and you're up by 10? Stop throwing the ball plus 25. Run it. If the other team comes back on you, then you open it up more. But some of these guys can't manage a game. Brian Johnson's struggling managing a game right now. That's how I look at him. Let me ask you this. Since the passing game is taking some time to develop right now, What's your course of action to slow, to slowly open up the offense? Do you lean more on your running game with the running backs? Last year when they got out of the gate, and it's a good question, Tone asked. Last year when they got out of the gate, they got out of the gate because they were running the shit out of the ball. They slowed the game down. They simplified it. Hertz had seven games last year where he threw under 180 yards and they won six of those games, Eagles win in the trenches and closed their will. Correct. That's who they are. That's their identity. They're fighting that identity. They're fighting the identity. I mean, they're trying to throw all the – and by the way, you know, I'd like to see a little more screen game going on here too. Tom Brady made a living for 20 years doing that. Dude, I think you got to simplify your passing game. I think you've got to to target what you did a year ago. You target one guy, then you run the ball. That was their identity a year ago. They're trying to spread it out. That's why you got multiple guys complaining. Because you know why? Every guy knew last year their time was coming, and everybody shared that role. Well, now you have multiple guys complaining about their roles in the passing game. Dallas Goddard's trying to be a good teammate, and he is being a good teammate, but he's saying, hey, the passing game, I'm not happy with my role in it. I, I, I love the fact that I get to impose my will in the run game, but his first, his first thought was he's not happy with his role in the passing game. You, you, you can't dissect it any other way. And then you got a guy on the sideline complaining about it. Because they're seeing different things this year. And the approach is different. That shows you, too. When You you can have the same... I told you this. You can have the same freaking playbook in front of you. But if you have two fundamentally different people and how they see the game, it won't matter. It'll look completely different. One thing I will say, a promising sign from Johnson was seeing him dig his heels in with the running game versus Minnesota could be learning is that a fair observation or they surrendered or they surrendered and it does take it does take a coach our passing games is not where it needs to be that's why you saw lane johnson going like this let's go lane johnson said let's run the ball they can't stop us there's nothing wrong with that Does it really matter how you knock a guy out? Whether it's a lucky punch or you 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 hit him in the fifth or sixth, or if you knock a guy out in a heavyweight championship fight in the first round or the tenth round, or the twelfth round, does it matter? You're trying to what George Foreman has the greatest football mentality of all time. George used to say this I'm not trying to win rounds. I'm trying to win the fight. Hurts has looked like Justin Fields. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not remotely close. Justin Fields is bombing in Chicago. Okay? Bombing in Chicago. Now, I think it's organizationally, and I think, quite frankly, as I said with him coming out, I saw him struggle against Indiana when he was at Ohio State. I never saw it. Now, if you're looking for a four by 100 team relay guy, he's perfect. If you're looking for an NFL quarterback, he ain't. Tyrod Taylor's better. Teddy Bridgewater's better. They are better. Both of those guys have been to Pro Bowls. Justin Fields is not a Pro Bowler. Okay? And re- you know what? When you guys... Listen, the dumbest thing that you people bring up is a record. Nobody gives a shit about the record. They care about getting to the postseason. They care about the getting to the conference title game. They care about winning a Super Bowl. So when the Patriots were undefeated and playing the 10-6 and 6 Giants, do you think the Giants talk like you idiots that care about the record you're 19 and one over the last 20 games and congratulations you got a participation medal good deal no one cares you're talking to be 19 and one and you got a participation medal who cares as far as i'm concerned You're like the Niners. You just went one game further. What's the difference between you and the Niners? Oh, we went to the Super Bowl and lost. Okay? Congratulations. You went one game further and took it on the chin. I don't know what else to say to you. In the NFL, it's not about wins. It's about winning the game and being the team that wins the last game of the season. It's nothing else. 38-35, silver medal. Absolutely. Gives a shit about the silver medal. Okay? The path to get there is important. So let me ask you this, J.M., So when the Patriots were in the division in the Brady era and the Bills blew, the Jets blew, and the Dolphins blew, and they knew that they were most likely going to sweep the AFC East, you think they looked at their journey and was really a tough journey for them to get to the postseason in those 20 years? The majority of the 20 years that Brady had in New England was when the division was at its worst, maybe in NFL history. You ever put that into context? So Brady knew they were getting to the playoffs. They knew they were getting there. Brady's not gauged on winning AFC East titles. The path taken is overrated. You beat who's in front of you. I mean, that type of talk is for the national media. Dude, this is about winning championships. Absolutely. This is all about championships. We're talking about it. We're talking about an organ. Hey, you know what kills me about you guys? You guys think that this is shit talking. I say this is tough love about who you are right now. And the quicker you find out who you are, the better off you'll be. If you keep denying who you are, you're not going to win shit. Once you know your problems and you can fix them immediately, that's how you become a better team. Not sitting around talking about telling me how great Hurts in the passing game is and how great your pass defense is. You'd be difficult. Some of you in here would be difficult to coach. Because the coach is going to come to you and go, you think Jeff Stoutland's happy with the way that the Eagles are pass-protecting to start the season? Or do you think he's doing what you guys are doing? Oh, we have the best old. Hey, you guys are the best in the NFL. Don't worry about it. We're 2-0. and Or do you think this? Seven sacks, he's getting hit more. He needs more time. Lane, that was a missed assignment. Mulatto, week one, you were horrible in the past game. We two, better. Landon, you played really well in the Viking game. You sucked in the Patriot game. Hey, Jason, you look like an old man in game one. Game two, good. And I would say this to Cam. Pick it up, son. Pick it up. Or there's going to be a new name on the depth chart. That's how coaches talk to you. Not with this bullshit here. Well, you know, we're 2-0. We got a really good nobody talks like that in the NFL. Nobody talks like that. You think the you think the Eagles give a shit they're 2-0 right now as players? Do you know how many times during a season when things are going well, you don't even know what your record is? Do you know when you're preparing for an upcoming team? I'll guarantee you half that room in Novicare Center has no idea the Bucks are 2 0. They have no idea. The record's the least thing you care about because you got a, you got a job in front of you blocking Vita Veya. You think Jason Kelsey gives a shit about the bucks being two and when he's got Vita Veya on his nose? How dumb can you guys be sometimes? No one gives a shit about your record. Maybe that's why the difference between me and you because nobody cares. Nobody cares what your record is. Only the fans do. But when you're a player, Jason Kelsey's doing this. This guy takes up a ton of room. Hey, hey, they're 2 0. I, I, I gotta worry about this guy's hands and his feet because this guy is a mother, you know what. Hey, dude, he 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 he's an elite player. And I'll tell you, their linebacking core. Is some of the best in the NFL. Devin White, Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett's on a mission too. Lost his child in the offseason in a drowning situation. Tell you what, man, he's playing in honor of his daughter, and he is a possessed dude right now. I mean, Todd Bowles is like, that's a different guy, man. He is not very happy with anything. He's playing in honor of his kid. And I'm telling you something. That guy, I know people down there, man, they're saying this dude's a frightening guy right now. And he's playing like his hair's on fire. Just saying, man. That Devin White is a run-stopping bitch. And then you got a nose. If Jason Kelsey can't handle Vita Vey in this game and they stop the run, it's going to be up to Hertz's arm. Who's covering Mike Evans? Slay? Well, Slay last week gave up 150 yards to Jefferson. Jefferson's big problem, fumble. No one remembers the 150 and the 10 catches or 11 catches. Shit, the other guys, TJ Hawkinson had 70. You don't have a guy on that team that could cover any of them dudes. Now, Bradbury, getting him back, well, I think it's – I'll tell you another thing that Sean Desai did that I thought was brilliant. Remember when they were practicing him in the slot during the uh, camp and they put him in the slot during the camp? Well, guess what? It's played out where they may need him there. Relax, We just signed Mike Hawk from Pitt. Who? Can they handle Jalen Carter? Is Ryan is Ryan Jensen? Is he on the IR? Is he playing? He's a pretty good center. He'll be the best center they've played. Because you um, Jalen played two backup centers. Um, in New England and also in Minnesota. By the way, one more time, I'll say this again to you, that when you are, and with the advantage, when you're playing against a second-team guy, that's not on you. Those two guys have done their jobs. The interior lines of those two teams, they dominated. They should, and they're doing their job. You're patting people on the back for doing their job. Jalen Carter gets the pats because he's a rookie. Okay. Jensen's done. Okay. Well, here, then those two guys should dominate the middle. Absolutely. They should dominate the middle. Um. Barrett Brooks will join us at 4.30 Eastern time. Then Philly 500. Um... I can't wait to get his thoughts on the O-line. I can't wait to get his thoughts on the O-line. Another thing Desai did in week two versus the Vikings was relieving the linebackers from having to cover tight ends and put the responsibility on the safeties. That was smart. I saw that too. It lessened the potential damage of Hawkinson getting beat over the top. Correct. I believe Desai truly understands his personnel more than Gannon. I, I told you, I don't really have a problem with you on Desai. I, I really don't. I think he's making it work. And the numbers are terrible pass defense, but I told you that we, we all told you that was going to be that way. We told you that was going to come up like that. This thing will look better after week eight. Give it a little time here, man. Can the Buccaneers beat the Eagles on Monday night? We're going to hit on that. Hey, Football. We love the fact that the National Football Show has an official home. That is Hooters, Northeast Hooters. Go to northeasthooters.com to find one of the seven locations nearest you. We're going to be in town real soon, in a couple days. And I invite everybody to come over to the King of Prussia one, where we're going to have them. We're going to be doing a great um, remote there. We're going to be doing an appearance there. We're going to be doing it pretty much each and every single month, man. Do me a favor, please go to northeasthooters.com to find one of the seven locations in the entire Northeast area. If you don't want to go into any of the locations, go to hooters 2 You get their great grub, man. Tuesdays, buy 10 wings, get 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. Six bucks, six items. Tried the fried pickles, you'll love them. Northeasthooters.com. And when you roll into any one of the Hooters, do me a favor tell him big sill sent you
1: and Hooters, the
2: perfect
3: pair.
2: LES Eagles,
0: Big Sales National Football Show. Appreciate you coming aboard. I don't know what Jason Whitlock's problem is with Deion Sanders. I mean, he's turning it into a racial story. Sports is not race in a locker room. Nobody cares in a locker room about your skin color. Nobody. Why is he doing that? He's fueling conservatives to hate Dion because Dion's loud. You know what's funny? You know why I I, I get offended by this? Because we were doing all this stuff back in the 80s. The only difference is, hey, by the way, Randy Shannon wasn't the first black coach at the University of Miami. The first black coach at the University of Miami was Jimmy Johnson. Okay? Don't, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. And we were doing all this stuff Back in the day, we had loud, proud African-American kids on our team that put bullseyes on the entire program. We were in lily-white Coral Gables with a private institution. Nobody liked us. That's why we're the most hated team in American sports history. You all hated us. You wrote and you wrote things about us that today, you, writers would be fired for being racist. It was some of the most racist coverage of all time. Most racist coverage on our teams. Miami, here, here's Rick Riley. Here's, here's a quote from Rick Riley. You ready for this? Miami's the only football team in the country that has to take their profile picture for the media guide from the front and side. People laughed at that back then. Really? With 80% of my roster with African-Americans, you think that's cool? Convicts and Catholics. Really? You think you could really do that today? You think you could say those things? Convicts versus the Catholics? We're convicts? Why? Because we have a lot of black players on our team? Notre Dame is black players. It was some of the most racist coverage I've ever seen, and it was offensive. Do you know when Miami went to the Cotton Bowl? You know what you did to Southern black kids who got to Dallas, Texas, and they didn't do this for the Texas Longhorn guys? Tony, get in. He'll understand it a little bit more with that state. Do you know what they put in their, like, gift bags? Bell Cotton to a black Southern guy. I'm, 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 I was like, okay, got to be have more self awareness. I'm rooting for Dion. L.J. gosills you call black players monkeys? Probably why you live that race. Thank you very much, Shooter. Just wasted two seconds of my life on LJ. That'll be the last. Um, thank you very much. We really appreciate that, Shooter. Um, so when I hear guys like Jason Whitlock saying this guy is a fraud, I've known Deion Sanders since he was 17 years old. I've known him since he was 17. And he's been that way his entire time. Completely been that way his entire time. I love the guy. I really do. I admire. You know, he's changing the game of recruiting. He's using social media. Dude, his whole thing is hip. That's a hip place to go and play. Okay. It's a hit place to play. That guy is exactly get this. When you go and interview, look at Auburn. Auburn right now is unranked. Dion's got his Colorado Buffalo team ranked. They're, I believe they're going to get boat raced these next two weeks. And being three and two, I still think it's a tremendous story at Colorado. Okay. Didn't still say Colorado was a three-win team? Yeah, because I listened to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I like how everybody assumes that it's just me saying this. Are are you under the impression I was the only human being on the planet that said this? I think it's remarkable what he's doing. And if you're not surprised, you see, I'm going to tell you what's happened here real quick as we... Barrett Brooks is going to join us at 4.30. Can I tell you what's happened here with Deion Sanders? Everybody thought this was going to be one of those gimmick hires. This was going to last about two years, get some money out of it, fire his ass when he gets like to be a four win season, you know, with the same losers he had there last year. What's happened is they realize he's a good coach and he's a good coach. All of a sudden now, the establishment of coaches is going like this. Holy shit, he is a threat. Dion's a threat to the way of doing things. Anytime you get anybody in any kind of political office or anything at sports or in business that you become a threat, they're afraid of you and they undermine you every single chance they can do it. Every single chance... They try, people are now trying to undermine them. So that's the way you do things. Well, maybe not the way you do shit. I like people who think out of the box. He's done, he's done it. You see, Deion Sanders ain't no Rooney rule. Cause when you bring that guy in now, that's your top candidate. And maybe when you bring some other African-American guys in, in the NFL on interviews, they won't be window dressing guys. Yeah, we interviewed a black guy. We really wanted to get Brandon Staley. Who? This guy's a threat. I love it. I would so love it. Wonderful, man. As Muhammad Ali said, I'll show you how great I am. Yeah, something else, Death Row, you know one of the great lines Muhammad Ali said? You must be upset, and I know you're upset, and I know everyone's upset with me. I must be doing it right. You know what's funny? People like Jason Whitlock would hate Ali today. He would hate Ali. And so would the majority of the white media hate Muhammad Ali. The only reason you revere Ali today is because you know the end story and the impact he made. But you would hate Muhammad Ali today. Not all of you, not not, half the country would, would hate Ali instead of how revered he is. You would. Jason Whitlock would hate Muhammad Ali. Because of how he does things. Matthew goes, People hate prime time because he's real and tells it like it is. Just like the peeps in here hate on Dan because he speaks facts. Okay. Thank you, man. That's really cool, Matthew. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Would that include you, sir? Absolutely not. Ever since I was a little boy, Muhammad Ali, I got a beautiful signed book by him and Angelo Dundee when I was at the University of Miami. And he came and saw us all the time. Seeing my idol, my childhood idol, was one of the greatest things in the world when I got to Miami. Angelo Dundee had a boxing gym down in South Florida. And I used to go over to the Miami Convention Center where he fought Liston. And I'd go down and watch Ali train there. Um, and when he was helping train some up and coming fighters, he and Angie would hang out and then Angelo Dundee, I'll show you to you when I get to a, to a break, his signed signature that he gave me on a book that Angelo's daughter had made. Yeah. Cool, man. Ali's been old. Hey, I played with 85 Muhammad Ali's. W- what? Ma- That's who we were. We patterned ourselves after him. Put a giant target on us, come get us. You know the girl, LSU? Remember Tone? What's her name? The girl at LSU that was talking shit to the chick from Iowa? People were like, the guy up at Barstool was telling her, show some, I was like, I actually love that. (laughs) I actually love that. Angel Reese, I'm a huge fan of hers. By the way, I can't wait to watch that Iowa-LSU game. I'm looking forward to watching that game. Okay? I love Angel Reese. Um, Can the Buccaneers beat the Eagles? Okay? Can they beat them on Monday night? You think they can beat them? Robert says no. Maxson, yes, possibly. I actually, believe it or not, as much of a fence straddling answer that is. Sills, you think Nick Chubb done for good? God, I pray not, LJ. I pray not. Um, nah, John, impossible. That one I hate. Anyone can be beat, Twiz. Yes, any team can, can beat real good guys. Mayfield has weapons, but D-line is too much. Well, their D-line's pretty good, too. Okay? No freaking way? Scott says the Vegas, Vegas says the Bucks won't win. Funny, that number's gone from seven to five. Money's going on the Bucks now. Here's how I think the Bucks can threaten the Eagles. I'm going to use the word threaten because I'm with the majority of you. I don't think the Bucks can beat them except for this. I really do believe you have problems in your secondary, and it's reflecting even more so because you're not getting a good enough pass rush from your edge rushers sweat was better against the vikings sweat's going to be matched on that offensive tackle that worst kid who's one of the top ot's in the nfl so you're going to limit him that's going to be a stalemate between him josh sweat is not better than the left offensive tackle for the bucks he's not he's one of the top two left ot's in the league if not the best oh well the guy in san francisco's best he's probably second Okay, he's probably second. And Reddick has been a non-factor so far because of his injury. Nolan Smith is MIA. I don't know what they're doing with him. Two dudes that have roster spots, have no impact on this team so far this year, has been Nolan Smith and Rashad Penny. I mean, they're two active guys, too. It's pretty crazy. Malata's not second mulata was destroyed in that New, New England game. Destroyed, he was terrible. A lot of second. Okay. Um. And Mike Evans can play. You know, Tone threw up the numbers of Mike Evans uh, a couple of months ago. I didn't realize. That guy's got nine straight years of a thousand. Is it nine or seven, straight years of over a thousand yards? Holy shit! That guy's going to be knocking on the door potentially of being a guy that's going to go to Canton. He's got a Super Bowl nine years in a row. So let me get this right. Is 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 Mike Evans over ten thousand receiving yards? Mike Evans. What, what is he, 29? Mike Evans has 10,000 receiving yards? Can't be. Every year. He's got 10,000 receiving yards. And this guy's 29. I mean, dude, he could end up, like, if things continue in his health, he could end up number two all time in receiving yards depending on Where he goes and who's throwing him the pill? Mike Evans is going to be a free agent. What if he lands in Kansas City in the offseason? If he lands in Kansas City in the offseason, Mike Evans is perfect for Andy Reid and Mahomes. Man, that dude goes to Kansas City, he'll have 15,000, 16,000 yards receiving. That's a weapon. Damn. Holy cow. He's got 90, 10,662? Holy shit. Dude, no wonder Johnny Medzel got drafted in the first round. That guy was, the, he was the reason at A&M. That guy was the reason. And you don't have a guy on your foot. Dude. Darius Slay can't cover him. Chris Godwin, I think he's averaging around 60 yards a catch. That still gets you a grand. But um, so you got Evans in him. Bradbury, I'm assuming, is back. And you're 31st against the pass. So you're going to have to get home. Which means you're going to have to have the best part of your team really play lights out. Hey, by the way, I think because of the play of Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, I think Fletcher's look better. I think Fletcher's look better. Um, Jm, I heard Blankenship is trending. According to Nick, he's trending to playing on Monday. That I'm, I'm just going by the press conference that Kenneth Gamewell, Reed Blankenship, and Bradbury are all trending on playing. On Monday night. So, I'm going with what they're saying. Not always factual coming out of Novacare But I'm assuming that those guys are going to st- I mean, how much longer would Bradbury be in the protocol for, um, uh, for like a concussion? I thought that thing was 10 days. We're going beyond that number here a little bit. Maybe there's more. I don't know. I mean, I thought he'd be out of that by potentially Thursday. So, I'm looking at him getting out of that. Concussion protocol—that'll help you big time if you're able to get Bradbury back. But I didn't think Bradbury was playing all that hot either back there. Um, Sweat has played well past few games. Actually, he's played well in one game. He was terrible in game one. Hoss, I think you guys are not 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 getting it right. the The Patriots' O line and D line—they dominated the Eagles' O line and D line. You weren't good in that game on any side of the ball except for your tackles. Your DTs. You had no pressure. Matt Jones threw for 340 yards in that game. I mean, you made Matt Jones look like Tom Brady. He was 34 54 in that game, three touchdowns. You made Matt Jones look like Tom Brady. He had a sack. In the Viking game. Yeah. See what Scott says? They shut down the Patriots run game. Well, the Vikings don't have a run game. And they did shut down the Patriots run game. You're still giving up 400 yards in total offense. 400 yards in offense you're giving up per game. On that defense. Here's the deal. The Bucks got a little bit of balance this past week. Running the ball. But they're not going to, they can't have a little bit. Versus the Eagles. They got to get a lot of bit. For them to beat Philly, they got to run the ball for over 100 yards. And do I see that? No. But I could see Baker Mayfield throwing for 350 yards Mac Jones can do it. He can do it. If Kirk Cousins could throw for 340 yards, this guy could do it, too. He threw for 310 last week. And by the way, the Bucks have a better defense than you all around. It's a better defense. You have better personnel all around. They're deeper. And, and again, I'll say this one more time. Todd Bowles is a better coach than Sean Desai. But the side's doing things. okay? Baker's a bum. He's outplayed Jalen in the first two games. He's 2-0 also. They're passing. They have really no offense. They have no balance. It's been pretty much Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has been their offense. It's the only way they're 2-0 is because of him. You're 2-0 because you run the ball. Not because of your passing game. Okay? I don't know. The Eagles defense has been giving up yards. That is true. But I will say the offense has not done the defense any favors. Yes. Too many three and outs. The defense has been opportunistic. Created four turnovers last game against the Vikings and has created scoring opportunities for the offense. Completely agree, Tone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I say, and why I'm continuing to say, I'm all right with Sean Desai. Personally, I'll make this comment to you. I think Sean Desai is doing a better job of defense so far right now than anything I've seen Jonathan Gannon do in his two years coaching. Because you know why? Why? there's some leakage going on on that defense and remember what you had with with gannon gannon had the luxury of two years of shit teams and not very good quarterbacks well the first year they had to play some good quarterbacks and that's why they weren't very good against the pass nor the run okay and that's why they were 9 and 8 then when they were 9 and 8 got a wild card schedule and the 31st worst schedule in the league. He benefited from that, from not having to play really good ball teams last year. I'm saying not the Eagles fault, but it's fool's gold. Desai has, you weren't playing Mahomes, Allen, Tua. You weren't playing those guys in consecutive Dak all in consecutive weeks. You weren't playing Geno and them dudes. This guy's got a, this guy's got quite the task ahead of him. Quite the task. I think he's a better coach. I think he's more creative. And by the way, like I said, him putting Bradbury in the slot and practicing him a couple organized team practices, I think was brilliant. He was hedging his bets potentially on injury. Okay. Absolutely. So I I, I don't I, I And they have created what's been really great and a great job of coaching has been Tracy Rocker. That's no one in anywhere has been bringing up. I think Tracy Rocker's done a
5: great. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.
0: And, you know, the one thing that we did say about Jordan Davis, last year Jordan Davis was in a completely different role. He was in a role as being a sub. And when you're in a role like that, and you're used to starting each and every single game, and you get into a role, and you've got to wait your time, it's different, it's different preparation mentally. Now that you're the starter, and you're being told to go out there, let's remember something. Not even the Eagles thought he was a three-down lineman. He's playing himself in his first two games. Jordan has played himself into the graces of what the coaches are. And guess what? Jordan, you know what's crazy? You guys say this. Sills, Jordan Davis will never be a pass rusher. The the Eagles said that. They never looked at him as being a three-down guy. Now he's played himself into it. Gee, I wonder why that narrative has changed. Because the players made it change. Okay. Can can the Bucks beat the Bucks have the weapons to threaten you. They've got a superior. Hey, if I were if I were the Eagles, the number one thing that I would try to do against Todd Bowles is establish the run game. You gotta get that run game going. Because everything comes off that Eagle play action and that RPO. It comes off that run game. And if you do not look, even in the even in the Patriot game, what did they try to do immediately? You know why the passing game suffered so much? Um, not so much, but you know why you had a ton of three and outs after that first series? Because off the script, once you got off script and you started getting those three and outs, okay. Then you start putting your defense in a bad situation. Tone says 100% agree. Running game has to be established. Make, make, them, make them respect the prospect of handing off. And, and what it does is it brings the linebackers closer up to the line of scrimmage. Do you understand what you're trying to do with those buck linebackers? See, when you don't respect the team's run game, you can cheat. You can cheat. And with Vita Vita Veya playing the way he is, the Bucks Devin White can back up and cheat in the passing game with Goddard coming across the middle, which means he doesn't have a clear release on a, up the seam. So he can cheat. You establish that run game, that dude's not going to be off the ball, man. He's going to tighten up because he's got to fill that gap. Can't have false steps or guess what? You'll get run over. And so what what does that mean? You open up the seam coming across the middle and the slant passes. So it's a game. The The quarterback establishing that run game, getting that thing going consistently, that to me is going to be the key to this thing here. You know, and that comment that I made to you about some coordinators, you know, they just want to score points and they just want to get yards. Coach Johnson told me that. That's when you know you got a really great one that sees the game. There's coordinate, like like, whatever you think. So far, it's been a grand slam in Dallas with Mike McCarthy. They got a rhythm. Dak's getting the ball out of his hand quicker because the play's coming in quicker. He knows what he's looking at. I really don't I, – I mean, people – you could say whatever – I'll tell you this, Sean Payton's struggling with Russell Wilson and play calling, getting the play in, uh, those 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 penalties that you're getting, those pre-snap penalties drive me nuts. Mike McCarthy's doing a 10 times better job in Dallas and getting that play in on time. There's a rhythm to it. You know, like I said, before I bring Barrett on here, Jimmy Johnson said there's some coordinators that want to score a lot of points and get a lot of yards up. Those are guys that are not looking to win the game. And that's kind of what the Eagles are doing here. They're trying to establish. They're trying to score. Dude, punt, special teams, play some defense. But when you get three and outs, you're killing that defense on the other side that's not ready to roll yet. I told you, week eight, that thing will look a lot better. I could not wait to get my friend who – is clearly one of my wife's favorite people i tell people this all the time 10 plus years in the nfl barrett brooke is in the big sills hall of fame we bring him in here right now with us nbc philadelphia
3: my brother how are you i'm good i'm good man how you doing today man
0: i'm doing great let me ask you something
3: all right I'm concerned am i concerned no the ultimate job like you just said is it's to win games and this team is is adapting to what they have going on, you know, and 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 I think if you if you're talking about all right, is it is it Jalen Hurts? Is that the reason why things are so slow? Well, this isn't like a this isn't like you know college football where you have to win on style points. This is the NFL where you know a win is a win, a W is a W, and that's their ultimate goal. I mean, you have quarterbacks who go out there, you know, that can throw up big numbers, 300 yards here, 400 yards here, and and have over 5,000 yards. But what's their win total? What's their record? Look at Phillip Rivers. He could throw the ball a country mile. He averaged like 5,000 um, yards his, his last four or five seasons in the league. But what was his winning percentage? What was his record? The Eagles are intent on winning. And if it takes them going out there and waiting until – let me, let me say this to you – and waiting until this offensive line gets their stuff together – then they'll do that. You know, it's not just Jalen Hurts. It's the offensive line not playing up to their capabilities. Yes, he's holding the ball a little too long because I think he's getting a little gunshot for being, you know, harassed a little bit in that first game. But he'll settle down just like the offensive line has settled down. And, uh, you know, they went and ran the ball. It's not the bold thing to do, but it's the winning thing to do. That's the most important. Big Seals, if you're out there, and you playing three technique, and they're letting you jump the gap, and you're jumping the gap, and they're still double teaming you, and you can't stop the run, and you start doing something else and getting out of character for what you're supposed to be doing in your gap, and you're still allowing them to run the ball, that's the worst feeling in the world, because you can't stop them from doing what they're doing. Isn't that the worst? I'd I'd rather have
0: you throw for 390
3: yards on me than (laughs) run for 250 yards on me because,
0: (laughs) hey, I tell people this all the time, Barrett. You know, you put the white flag up when you're running the ball 200 yards on me because you rarely lose games. How many times have we seen teams throw for 500 yards and lose, but yet when you see a team run for 200 yards, you ain't losing that ball game.
3: No, 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 no. Because, number one, you keep that quarterback on the opposing side off the field. Because usually when you run like that, the time of possession is probably like, you know, 40 minutes to 20 minutes. You know, you just you just overwhelm it and they can't get their guys on the field to score. Now, if you're driving it down and, and, and you're not you're not scoring points, I can see you being frustrated about that. But they were driving down. They were scoring, whether it be a field goal, whether they get a touchdown. They were going out there and tush pushing it to the to the victory of beating um, the Vikings.
0: Let me throw this at you here, and, and, and Bear, tell me I'm, 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 I'm making more of it. Okay, so in the game, again, you and I know, man, bitching at each other on the sidelines, it's a nothing burger. You have A.J. and him complaining. Today I heard Dallas Goddard on WIP say this, and I'm paraphrasing it. He's like, I'm not happy with my role in the passing game. So now you got two people complaining about role in the passing game, Um, It's A.J. complaining on the sidelines. You saw it. You heard Goddard today on IP saying, and then he fuzzied it up going, hey, I'm in the run game. I'm dominating this. It was a nice way to make sure you're not throwing shade too much on the O.C. and the quarterback. But what's different this year, Barrett, than last year? You almost got the same personnel. Sanders, is he that much of a loss? What's different in your eyes on what you're seeing?
3: Um, I, I think that, you know, the, the league had eight months or well, six months to, to go in and, and figure out how to stop Jalen Hurts. But we also understand that Jalen's going to go out and he's going he's gonna to work his way into something new. You know, he's going to evolve. He's never stayed the same. I think he's one of those guys that it feels like well, if he stays the same, then he's almost dying. He's always going to reinvent himself. He's always going to be a better version of himself every time he steps on the field. And you know you'll get that. And everybody's talking about you know how they're stopping the read option right now. Yeah, they're stopping the read option. All they're doing is slanting the end and scraping the linebacker outside. But then you know, same thing to make you laugh, make you cry because those lead to big plays. Because once you vacate somewhere with scraping that, was scrapping that uh, uh, scraping that linebacker, and Jordan Malada or, or Lane Johnson cuts that in from slanting in, that's a big hole to open up that you're asking a safety to stop. So all those things, you know, all those things that they're doing right now is something that, you know, eventually the Eagles will also counter their counter. Just like now teams are starting to back up and, and play two high safeties. Well, what do you do when two high safeties? You Tied run in. the ball. And run it. So that's exactly what they did. You line up a two high safety, they ran the ball. Then they turn around on the on the big play to the Smithy at the end of the game uh, towards the uh, the second half. What happened is they had two high safeties. They were playing quarters coverage and the safety Smith got a little nosy and saw that running back because the running back had been running so much on him. got a little nosy, saw that running back flare out of the um, outside on the wheel route and didn't get back. And that left that cornerback one-on-one with Smitty on the outside, turned into a big play, a touchdown. Those are all things that happen. And you get big plays from, you know, defenses that blitz a lot and defenses that, you know, play two high safeties a lot. So, you know, eventually the Eagles will start catching up on what defenses are gonna do. And then what do you do then? You know what I'm saying? So they're built, they're built to 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 play big time football in November. Run the ball consistently and they can't stop you have a big offensive line. Then you got a quarterback and go out there and run. You got these quarterbacks now. Everybody's raving about these top five quarterbacks. Look what's going up and 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 um look what's going up in, in in L.A. With, with the Chargers, look at their quarterback. Look at Cincinnati's quarterback. These are top five quarterbacks. Everybody's saying they're the best oh, yeah. quarterbacks in the league. They have nothing else to go through if they if they can't throw the ball and they're not you know executing the offense by them passing the ball. Jalen is different. Jalen can use his legs and, and run the ball, which will make you get out of what you're doing, and then they'll go out there and, 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 and throw the ball also. He has that – he has that intangible that those two don't have. Does that make him elite? I think it makes him pretty damn close because you can be elite passer and not win a lot of the Chargers in Cincinnati. But if you can also have that extra, that extra in and being able to run the ball and be able to execute at a high level of run. You can you can be a guy that can run out there and and, and do those type of things. But if you're not elite as far as your programming on understanding when to run and not to run it can also be a detriment for you also. But I think he's he's good enough that he'll get things going in the right direction because of it. Barrett, I think the other thing that you're
0: seeing coordinators like Brian Flores and um, what you saw Belichick and this week too, Todd Bowles, is that counter weak side play that they run with Jalen. You know, all of a sudden he'll go through the back door over here and they're getting as deep as the ball. Last year they would scrape down the line of scrimmage and Jalen would get out wide and he'd get out on the weak side and break that thing open. I think a lot of teams are now countering that play now by keeping that end home.
3: Yes, you're not,
0: right, and not having them because last year, how many times did we see that guy? As soon as they would run with that RPO this way, Jalen took it, went back door over here, and that end's gone, not setting the edge. I think teams are doing a better job in that because, like you said, they had seven months to sit there and game plan it. Yep, that leads to this question though. Again, it was an observation, and I saw it again in the Viking game. You tell me. You know, I think they're so concerned about him taking punishment that the, was it was in me in that New England game and then a little bit in the Viking game. He's getting down quicker. Way too quick. And he's, like, apprehensive. And to me, that's a coach – I don't think that that's Jalen actually doing it. I think that's a fundamental thinking process where last year he'd run that guy. He wouldn't get a clean hit on him. He'd be fighting for the extra yard. It just seems now he's looking for perseverance and getting through the 17 games. Is it just my observation? Because I think that's what's making that offense look a little tentative.
3: You're talking about a, an extra five yards that he's not taking. That he, but that mentally he, that, too, mentally, yes.
0: like, hey, do I throw? I mean, the whole thing becomes tentative.
3: Right. It's it's almost as though, all right, if I go ahead and pull the trigger on this pass, it might get intercepted. Instead of being a guy that you know that's going to, all right, if I, I, I if I keep running, I'm going to get hit. You know. Those are all situational things that have been coached into him that maybe he needs to go back to saying, All right, I can protect myself. I've done a good job of protecting myself. On the plays he got hurt with in Chicago, it was a running play. Yeah. So you're not going to really slide when it's a running play. But even in passing plays where he's running and and, and evading the pass rush, he's sliding like Five feet before he usually does. And that and I did see that and I didn't I didn't comment on it because all right, he's trying to he's trying to make sure there's self-preservation. He's trying to make sure he doesn't get hurt. But that is an aspect of his game that's an intangible that he used to use and it was so tough to stop him from from, from picking up first downs. You know, now he's sliding before even the first down. So it's been coached into him, but I think once he evolves and and and, and starts playing the way a player plays that went through camp and practice and, 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 and played during camp. He's not, he's not playing like a guy that had those reps in preseason football games. He's playing like, like a guy that's still in the preseason. And I think this entire offense is, they're not up to par. You're going to see at least one more bad, not really bad because they won the game, but one more rusty game from them. Or maybe they... a
0: bad half. Or yes, a rusty
3: half. Exactly. So, Bro, could you imagine going out there and playing no. on the first game without having reps and full-speed reps? Absolutely not. How do you take on a double team and know where the pressure's coming from? I tell people all the time, like, what I the reason I played in the preseason is because your body learns how to take that one extra step to solidify that block. These guys then take that extra You're step. You're
0: practicing your anchoring yes. on double teams. You're practicing exactly. your double exactly. – you're, you know, you're getting your joints and your ankles ready, and your Hardening legs them. ready you, with all. You're to harden them up. Yes.
3: Yeah. That's why all these all these injuries they have. I mean, how do you have three rib injuries? That's because their bodies aren't hard. And you harden your body during camp, during during the preseason. That's how your body does. These guys aren't taking that extra step to 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 come out of a route that extra step for making a tackle and reassuring you can get the guy on the ground. Because it's, I mean, when I say extra, I mean, extra steps, like really yeah. like when you're double teaming and you get up to the second level, you are leaving too early because you didn't get the extra step because you during camp, all you've done is one, two, cha, 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 one, two, cha, cha, cha. You're just hitting a guy. That, all right, you got me. You, you, you blocked me. These guys aren't going to be blocked in these games. They're going to keep going and you haven't taken that extra step to keep going and finishing the block. That comes with playing, man, and they'll eventually get with it. So you get at least, like you said, a half or a game in which to get it going. Hey, did, is it me, Barrett? But
0: is Hurts getting hit more?
3: Yes, he is. I mean, the offensive That's what I
0: said. The offensive line got to play better. I mean, they're they're great in they're great in the run game. They're they're, they're great in it, but Malada was terrible in that New England game. Better against the the Vikings, obviously. Yep, yep. Lane missed an assignment in the New England game. Blocked down when that he was supposed to block out. Yep. Um, I'm like, man, it just seems like the communication with the guys. I mean, I don't, I can't think it's Isaac Say and Malo not being in there. But again, it's, it's so. W- w- what's with them? Here's an experienced group. Barrett, is this really what you just talked about? Is just playing with the continuity?
3: It's it's playing. They're, they're rusty. They're rusty, and they're just now starting to get that rust off, you know, and playing. You know, and in and the, in, they haven't hit Philadelphia's football yet, and they're still two and zero. There's a lot of one and one and one teams that 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 didn't have that opportunity to still win the game, even though, even though they played bad, you know. And and to them, they're they're playing bad because it's not up to the standards we're used to seeing them at. You know what I'm saying? Are they un are they unjustly um, you know, looked upon as saying in a bad game? Yes, they are, because we are, our expectations are up here. They're not down here. You put yourself in the position that we have expectations now. So you're gonna get it, you know, you're gonna get us talking, you know, about you and saying saying this and saying that. But you know, it, it it comes with the territory, you know what I'm saying? Great, great teams get, you know, they they're meticulous in making sure they break down every aspect of your game. You know, what I'm saying they're always trying to find a kink in your armor. And that just comes with being the best. That comes with being on top. You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're rolling with it. They're winning, even though in spite of they're still winning. And you know what's crazy is that you and I
0: know what their coaches are saying in there. Yep. Nobody gives a shit about two zero. Like you know, Kelsey's going. I got Vita Vey this week. I don't give a crap about anything. Right, <laughs> right. I got, right. I got
3: Vita Vey in front of me here. Two last questions for you. Are you I got to get up on white. I got to. I, I got gotta get up on white. You know. Right. What I'm saying? <laughs>
0: you know. You, you know what's funny, Barrett? I told all these folks. I go like this. I go. Do you know most of the players in the locker room could have once you get into the season, you have no idea what the opposing team's record is. You have no idea what your record is. You're just worried about your responsibility and the guy that you got to play on you. And if someone tells you that, that's probably the least caring thing you care about because you got to put some good game tape out there. Two last questions for you here. Um, Are you concerned that the pass defense is 31st right now?
3: Yes, yes, especially with um, the injuries that are happening right now. I mean, Avante. People don't understand how key Avante Maddox is in the whole scheme of things and how they run things. You don't have that good slot corner. You know your your boys. You know that you know the Bucks right now got you know Gosson right now. He's 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 hell out there, bro. So you're gonna have to go one on one with the big fellow on Evans on the outside. You got guys out there, but who do you put in there? I Me? Mean, how do you how do you fill that slot corner position? Because it's it's one of the hardest positions because. It's, there's not a lot of space, but there's, you know, you got double, you got, you can go inside and outside, you know, on the outside, at least you can use the the sideline as an extra defender. You don't have that inside of the slot. And usually they put their best player in that. And then you have to worry about supporting the run. And then you got to worry about motion and all this. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility with that. And at this point, Mario Goodrich is the guy that they're going to yeah. use. But do I say him being a guy, I mean, they, that, it's going to lock that down until, you know, uh, we'll lock down for the rest of the season. I can't. Who do I think they need to go ahead and try a little bit, at least in practice? I think they do Sidney Brown in there. Let him try, you know, his best. Or or bring Bradbury in and push Josh Jovald on the outside. He played pr- fairly well out there at that wide corner position. They're going to have to figure something out, man. Or maybe they bring back Grady Williams. I don't know. But this is this is a tough si- um, situation for him. You know, At least they'll have Blankenship back and Bradbury back, you know, but it's still, you know, I was just looking at it. It's one player that's out and that's Maddox, but it's still, it feels like it's like three players that we're trying to, 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 to take his place. Cause it's the backers the are is.
0: not helping. They're not helping. No, they're, no. Sac- they're not helping the safeties right now. And I'll tell you this, Barrett, I, I, I think the loss of TJ Edwards is being felt on that defense. And you said this two years ago. And I remember you're like, Man, when they plug that dude in, that entire defense changed. It changed on, on how you do it. it. Yep.
3: It's changed. Yep, yep. I mean, you know how it is, man, You know, to, to to not have a guy back there. You know what I mean? Michael, just like I play with Michael Burrow, you know, your, your guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? One of the smartest guys, at putting guys in position. And because I can remember a lot of times we are playing out there and, and, and they come to the sideline when I was playing with the Giants. And he got, a hey, straight hand. I appreciate you telling me this. You know what I'm saying? That's why I gave you a go-caller going out there, hey, banjo, banjo, banjo. When well, you don't have that type of – that communication, and the Eagles don't have it right now because there are they're so many guys that were out. That communication, man, you, it's hard to play the game when you're not communicating at a high level. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like those unwrittens. You've got to look and see, all right, I can look at you, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Those things aren't being done right now. So that's why it's a lot of plays that you see. You know, it's almost like they look rusty because of that.
0: You know, okay, last year, Barrett, don't kill me on this, but I heard Vermeil say something today, and I know it's going to be blasphemy. He compared Jalen Carter to Reggie White. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on. Wait, hold on. Reggie's first four years in the NFL, he had 70 sacks which is insane. (laughs) I Right? I mean, like, like Brandon Graham's been in the league 14 years and he's got 70. I get it, okay? But then I started thinking about it. Well, he was 24 when he got into the league. This kid's 21, and Reggie went to the USFL in 84 and 85. In his first year, you had 12, and then 11 and a half. So he was almost like, and the USFL back then had guys like Ken Hall. They had really good players that went on to play in the NFL. He was almost primed, and he was almost like schooled once he got into the NFL on what to expect. I think he was better prepared to be an NFL player because of playing in the USFL versus right. playing at Georgia. And I started thinking this. You know, I see it, man. I think he's. I think he has a chance to be a better defensive tackle than Aaron Donald, and I'll tell you why. Donald doesn't play the run. Yep, this guy's a run stopper and a pass rusher, and a re- a, a guy who wreaks havoc. He's more kind of like in the line of Jerome, and that kind of guy. I mean, it's not. It's it's crazy because Reggie's the ultimate.
3: You mean and Mr. White? I call him Mr. White. I can't call him Reggie. I call him Mr. White still.
0: I I know you, do. <laughs> you know. You know, again, you can flip a coin and go, who do you want, LT or Reggie? And I'll go, I'll take whoever you don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll take whoever you don't. But give me your sense of what you're seeing with this kid and how impressed uh, you've been with him.
3: An unbelievable, I, I would say athlete, but that is, is kind of downplaying what he is. He is such a good player as far as understanding how to play the situational football he's being put in. You can't, you know, on the run plays, you can't double team him because he understands where the pressures comes in and he might lean to that pressure and spin out and go make a play. If you try to one-on-one block him, he's not going to let you do that. He can run behind blocks and still quick enough and explosive enough to go get it. And I'm just talking about the run plays now. they on passing plays. They ran a blitz and on his first sack, and when they ran a blitz, they brought the mic through the B-gap, and he goes and he slants in, and when he hits his gap, they double-team him with the center um, and the guard. But he's so versatile that he makes himself small, hits the center, and then drives him back and puts him in the quarterback's lap and then goes and gets the sack with the center on his back. That's him understanding leverage and understanding where he needs to go. This kid is—he's uh, an amazing player, and and I understood—I I equated him to, um, a John Randall, um, almost like a Warren Sapp hybrid of a, a player. Bigger. Yes, what I'm saying, but bigger. Yeah, you add them two together. Yes, he's a big dude, too. So we're talking about 313. People yeah. understand Sapp was sitting right around about that 290, 280
0: That's 6'2", though. This guy's right. 6'4", like, and a half.
3: Yeah, I mean, huge. So he can run. He can be explosive. He can brush the passer. He can he can get down on the run. He can drive you back. There's, I mean, I can't think of any weaknesses in his game right now.
0: Absolutely. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this on the way out the door here. What's your take
3: on what Dion's doing at Colorado? Unbelievable, man. And he's making a believer out of people. Just because he's doing it the way he's doing it does not make it wrong. He is a guy that's No, he's about.
0: scaring the establishment, Barrett.
3: Exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, usually, you know, coaches are supposed to be these guys, you know, and be looked upon as, you know, uh, you know uh, I, I am a pillar of, of – of, what you're supposed to be in society. Well, he's breaking the norm on what society thinks of a coach. You know what I'm saying? You know, some guys think of coaches as father figures and you know, you know, holier than thou. Well, he's holier than thou, but he does it with swag. You know what I'm saying? So I love what he's doing, and his guys play for him. That's all I care about. Your guys play for you. That's all that's all I worry about. They will go out there and fight a brick wall for Dion. And that's all that needs to be said, man. That's all you it know, needs to
0: be. And said. you know what's crazy barrett is that people are like well he's made it all about him i go well obviously you've never played competitive sports because for you to motivate a hundred (laughs) guys to go out there and play their ass off each and every single saturday for you coaches who make it about themselves have losing records coaches who never fail make it about the players he's bringing everyone on that it, you know what it really reminds me of? It reminds me of my of my heyday back in the Miami days with FSU and Miami when all those guys were walking around like that. We just didn't have social media, and everybody looked at our giant targets on us and said all these things. And I'm like, hey, man, this guy's been doing this since he was 17 years old. He's changing the way people look at coaching, man. I Bro, mean, you
3: guys never- hey, if you're
0: Auburn right now, Barrett, aren't you going like this? Man,
3: Freeze. Right,
0: him. I don't. You, you know what I mean? I mean, really, you're gonna hire him? Man,
3: you guys never. Miami never kept their helmets on. They would score and helmets go straight off. So come on, man. You everybody knew who you guys lo- look look like because man. you guys, as soon as you do something, <laughs> flip the helmet off. You know what I'm saying? They made rules because of you guys, man. That was for the girls, man. We wanted to make sure when we walked into <laughs> your place, man, that we
0: that we won games and dated your girls, Barry. Hey man, tell folks again where they can find you each and every single day. I, by the way, I know we don't communicate as much. You know, you're in my in my heart always. You and your mom. You, hey like, man, what?
3: you and your wife, man. I appreciate you guys. Hey, hey watch tell you your daughter right, good luck I also. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate. You're damn it, man. right,
0: man. NBC, NBC Sports, Sports
3: Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I do Eagles pre and post game show, and also do college football on the weekends, man. Love you, dude. Thank you so much for finding time for me, brother. Oh, anytime, bro. Anytime, man. Anytime, man. Have a great show, bro.
0: You got it, man. Barrett Brooks, our good friend, man. I love this man. So good, too. So good. So good. And we do. My wife loves the guy. She's like, guy played 10 plus years. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> She's who's like, well, he's a Hall of Famer then, in her eyes. Hey, by the way, speaking of Hall of Fame places, Hooters, the official home of the national football show. Folks, do me a favor, man. Go on to northeasthooters.com and find that location nearest you so you can enjoy. This football season, that is our official home. King of Prussia, we're going to be there in a couple of weeks here. Just real soon, we're going to be there. And we're going to be doing so many great remotes this coming season. We invite you to come with us and have a great time. But if you're around in the Northeast area, northeasthooters.com. If you don't want to go into any one of the locations, go to hooters2go.com. Also, try some of the great specials. Buy 10 wings, get 10 free, boneless. Wing Wednesdays, a 40-year tradition at Hooters. 40-year tradition that we've been doing this. 1983, that's the year the place was founded. All you can eat. Also, the great specials we have, happy hour. And on top of that, okay, six bucks, six items. Try the fried pickles. Northeasthooters.com. And when you go into any one of the Hooters, do me a favor. Tell them Big Seal sent you.
3: Football
2: and Hooters, the perfect pair. G L E S Eagles
0: Shador Sanders now has a Rolls-Royce SUV Man that's so awesome That's so awesome Shador Sanders has a Rolls Royce SUV now. Hey, I, I guarantee you, the National Communist Association of America, aka the NC2A, is just hating this. They are, hey, it is one of the greatest bullseye targets that people will be coming after Dion. And that program, I'm going to make a prediction to you. The NCAA and other people are going to try to turn in Colorado for recruiting infractions and for paying student athletes. You watch, you watch. That's how they got SMU. You know how they got SMU back in the day on the death penalty? Texas, Houston, A&M, Arkansas, all those Southwest Conference schools were like, wait a minute. Where did this thing come from? Colorado overnight? It's ranked 12th? Wait a minute. What's going on here? Has to be some illegal recruiting stuff. Oh, yeah. You got your star quarterback driving a Rolls Royce. In college. Oh, my God. I Hey, the stuff I did back in the day was illegal. I drove a Corvette, had one mile on it. You weren't going to not have me. What do you think Big Sills is going to be driving around a Pinto or a Duster? Big Sills doesn't. That wasn't gonna work for me at Miami. I had a red vet. I've posted pictures of it. My first car I ever owned was a Corvette. I hey, honest to God, this is how I got the car. This is how I got the car, man. I go, I go in, you know, I leave my I leave my dorm room. I leave my dorm room. I look and I go, whose car is that? I see a note in there. I can't say the name because he gets mad. Okay. And I looked in there and it says, congratulations. Here's your car. It was a Corvette brand new. Oh, it's fantastic. I so love that Shador gets, oh, way to go, man. They, they hate what this guy's doing. Guy like, Hey, get this. A guy like Jason Whitlock hates that. He hates that. You would think Jason Whitlock would be rooting for him. He's rooting against him. He's rooting against him. Can you believe that? I so am glad. I'm so glad this guy is able to do that. Oh, my God, that's such an FU thing. You're driving around with a Rolls Royce, and you're playing the way you're playing. Oh, man, I love that. Good good for you, Shador. You should have made it a Bentley, though. I'm more of a Bentley kind of guy, okay? I'd much rather have seen you in a Bentley than, than see you in the Rolls. Congratulations. By the way, my top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, my weekly ranking, my top 10 NFL teams, We're going to get to that here in a minute. Hey, think about that tone. Whitlock isn't someone my dad would vibe with. I'll let you cook on that. Hey, hey, I'm just saying, dude. So my wife comes downstairs and she's like, are you listening to Jason Whitlock attacking Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders? I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. You should be rooting for these guys. You should be rooting for them. I don't get it. He thinks, I get this, he thinks because he's black, he gets to attack him. He thinks he's using his race to attack him. He, uh, it, it's, it's really, it's really disgusting. It's disgusting. It totally is. It's disgusting. You should be rooting him on, man. Don't get it for what winning and turning around a program. Well, he's doing it in Dion's way. Remember something as as, as I said to you bef- before, Yale. When you do something different, out of the norm, and you don't go by the way of everyone else, okay, you're gonna be attacked. Okay. Okay, Whitlock does that for every black celebrity. Hey, man. One thing Jeff that 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 Whitlock doesn't get. This guy, this guy tears down African American icons who who are role models. Hey, I don't like LeBron James for some of the shit that he does. He's been an ambassador to the NBA. He's been a tremendous sportsman. Some things I don't like about his politics, but at the end of the day, LeBron James has been one of the greatest things ever happened to American sports. He's never been in trouble. He's shown you how being a mobile athlete, everyone's doing it now. And he's a billionaire. What's the hate about that? What, what, what's the hate about that? I mean, you, you, you hate the guy for what? Okay. Because what? He, he's not Jordan. Hey, by the way, you know, I I heard a debate today about Patrick Mahomes. Before I get to my top 10 list, I heard a Philly 500, too, at the bottom of the hour. You know, I heard a debate about Patrick Mahomes and Bayless threw this out there. You know, let me show you how somebody who likes to move the goalpost on such. So Bayless was asked the questions about Mahomes. Dan, do you still have your vet? Great show, Hollywood. No, um, I bought a Maserati and then I bought a Porsche. Um, after that, so th- that thing was long gone. So listen, listen how Bayless changes the argument because he likes his certain athletes like Brady and um, Michael Jordan. Okay, so when asked the question, could Patrick Mahomes? You think Patrick Mahomes could ever get into conversation? of being the GOAT quarterback in NFL history. Do you guys think Mahomes wins a couple more Super Bowls, what have you? Um, Do you think he could be in the conversation where you would look at him and go, he's he's in the conversation of being the GOAT when it comes to the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Niner goes, no, but top five. Um, yes. Well, you know, you know, Bayless said this. He goes, well, you really see him winning six Super Bowls in Kansas City? You know, Keyshawn Johnson and Richard Sherman were like, no, I don't see that. He's not going to win seven Super Bowls. He's got two now. he need five more. I don't even see that. No, I don't see that. Well, we gauge everything by Super Bowls. That's how we look at the greatest. You know what my comment would be? Well, if that's your metric, how come you never put Bill Russell in that conversation? He's got 11 NBA championships. He almost doubles Jordan. How come you exclude him? If it's solely on championships, why isn't Russell's name ever brought up? If we go by the metric... Of championships, the greatest North American athletes of all time, and you're gauging them on championships. How come you don't go like this? Well, if my, so, what I'm saying is this you move the yardsticks on the debate when it comes to Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Mahomes versus Brady. Because you're using championships, but it doesn't fit. The Jordan Championship conversation doesn't fit because that's a team award. Some of you like to bring up, well, Jalen led a team to the Super Bowl. That's a team accomplishment in some people's eyes. Russell's never brought up in the conversation of the greatest player of all time, yet he's the greatest North American. Um champion in american sports no one has won more than 11 titles in any sport in any individual how come he's not the greatest american team sport champion jordan changed the game what game jordan didn't change shit bird and magic did My point is that's why Wilt is never Wilt is the greatest basketball player of all time. There's no debating it. He has records. You know why no one brings Wilt up? Because everything Wilt did was was like fantasy. Was was like Nobody's scoring 50 points a game and 25 rebounds a game in the same season. No one's doing that. 82 games, Chamberlain averaged 50 and 25. Nobody's doing that. No one's coming close to that. It'd be hard-pressed to score 40 a night, and you got the three-point rule. Get this. Can You, you got the three-point line, and you still can't do what Wilt did. So, when the conversation about the greatest player, I think it depends who you talk to. Who's the greatest NFL player of all time in your eyes? This would be interesting. Who's the greatest NFL football player of all time? Who would you say? Who's the greatest football player that you've ever seen? Jim Brown. Brady, Barry Sanders, Rice, I'm, I'm, Walter Payton, LT, Bo Jackson. See what I'm saying here? That conversation on who the greatest NBA guy or who the greatest NFL guy is, it can't be answered. It depends who you're talking to. So we may look at Mahomes down the line and go like this. He is the greatest. And with free agency being the way it is today, shooter goes no free agency and only eight teams when the Celtics had six Hall of Famers on the roster is why no one takes Russell into the modern day in his titles with more weight. Um, So if you have less teams means you have more talent condensed Just because you have more teams, shooter, doesn't mean you have a strong league. Look at the NHL. The NHL crippled itself by expansion. Baseball has crippled itself by expansion. You got pitchers on pitching staffs that have five ERAs today. When I was a kid growing up, if you had a five ERA, you were an A-ball. You were an A-ball. Nobody had fives. ERAs back in the day. Now you have a whole pitching staff of people with five ERAs. You water down your league when you do stuff like that. Now you have, I mean, look at look at a quarterback playing today, dude. When people go like this, well, there's more teams today, and free well, free agency makes it difficult because rosters change every year. I think it was an interesting debate, but you can't see. I don't think you can use championships as a metric on who's greater than the other guy. To me the greatest football player I've ever seen. Honestly, man, I can't I can't pick between LT and Reggie White. I just can't pick between Those are the two greatest players I've ever seen, and they never touched the ball. Jerry Rice is the greatest offensive weapon of all time. But in my opinion, I think it's Lawrence Taylor. I've never seen every time those two players stepped on the field, no matter what the score was, they killed everybody in front of them. No matter if they won or lost, you couldn't block them. And maybe it's because I'm a defensive guy. They just, to me, I just, they're the greatest football players I've ever seen. I mean, just the greatest. Impacted games. Changed the way the game is played. Like, when you played against the Eagles with Reggie, you were like this. Where's 92? I mean, certain players, you know the numbers, too. 32. Jim Brown. 80. Rice. 56 taylor 92 brown i mean you knew certain players numbers you didn't really have to say their names 23 jordan you know what i'm saying i mean just that conversation's kind of weird jj reddick said russell played against custodians he may have but he dominated his era And that's what Jordan says. How can you talk about who the greatest is? You dominate your era. Now you're ripping a guy for playing in an era. You're just looking for shit. You're just looking for shit. All right, let me get to my list here. The only 500 will join us at the bottom of the hour here. I'm going to do my top 10 teams first before I do my quarterback list. Okay. And obviously this is kind of like a college poll that I do each and every single week. And I put a top 10 together and here are my top 10 NFL teams. Number 10. I like the Seahawks team. I like the Seahawks. They rebounded. They're well-coached. They've got a lot of good personnel on it. Gino had a comeback game, threw for over 323 yards, righted the ship. I think Seattle's going to win a ton of games this year. Number nine, I got the Saints here. They weren't great last night. 2017 victory, they weren't great. Well, the Eagles haven't been great. You're finding a way to win. That's a damn good-looking defense. Saints have a damn good-looking de- I think they're going to win a ton of games. By the way, if you really want to put it out there, you know the NFC South I thought was going to be? I, I tell you this, though, Yale. One thing I, did, I have to say about the NFC South, they may not have a lot of superstar players at the quarterback position in that division, but the Bucs? the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. There's some pretty good-looking defensive groups in that division. I mean, out of the gate so far, there's some good defenses in that division down there in the NFC South, okay? I mean, Saints have one of the top defensive units, or I should say the Saints have one of the top defensive rosters, in the entire league, in my opinion, right now. Number eight, I know it was a setback. I got the Lions here at number eight. Can I tell you my issues with the Lions? I think the Lions have to figure out how to handle success. You know, I think they got to handle success. They got to learn how to win. And they got they got to, see, it, It's it was a two up and down week. You got, hey, you know, you go into Kansas City, you beat the defending champions, right? Then you turn around and you don't play your A game. Was that to be expected? I think so. Especially with a young football team that's still learning how to win. You know what I'm saying? They they, they need to learn how to be consistent, is my take on these guys. They got to be a little bit more consistent. Seven, I got the Bills here. I thought they took care of business against the Raiders. It was a well-called game by Ken Dorsey. And there is no question there was some coaching going on um, in the game between the Jets game and the Raider game. And there is no doubt they went to Josh Allen and they told Josh Allen, do you know Josh Allen? I think he averaged four yards a play or four yards an attempt was one of like the lowest numbers since he's been a quarterback in Buffalo. What's that tell you? Well, we're not going high turnover plays here. So I think they dialed him back in. I mean, he threw for 275 yards, I think it was 274, three touchdowns, no interceptions. They had a they had him on a tight leash. They had him on a tight leash in my opinion. And it 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 looked good. Outside of that opening drive that the Raiders had, I don't think the Raiders really did anything. Okay? Number six, I got the Chiefs here. Took care of business against Doug and the Jaguars. Um, and he, th- this guy has nothing on that offensive side of the football. Pacheco's Checo's not bad. He's getting better. Their old line's Okay. But, man, Patrick Mahomes, who just got a $210 million contract extension, and there's uh, Lee Steinberg, his agent, pulling a Warren Moon on everybody. Did you see that little clause in the contract? He could never be uh, paid lower than whatever the number is of the quarterbacks in the NFL, which means this. Every year, Patrick Mahomes' contract gets redone. Patrick Mahomes will most likely never be the highest-paid player, Um, in consecutive years, but you know what he will be? Patrick Mahomes will be and have his contract redone. Just like Warren Moon, Lee Steinberg did that move too. For Warren Moon was never the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. But you know what he had in there in the contract? He had in the contract that Warren Moon would never be paid lower than the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. So Moon sat at three all the time. So when Elway and Marino and Montana and all those guys got their contracts redone, Moon had his contract redone each and every single year. I got the Ravens at five. I got the Eagles at four. Dolphins have looked sensational on both sides of the ball. I got them at three and I got the Niners at two and the Cowboys one right now. Now, again, okay. This is obviously going to go up and down because of the war of attrition. And the Eagles, unlike a year ago, have been hit with the injury bug, especially in the secondary. So, you know, as we were talking with Barrett in the last hour here, you know, it just looks different right now. There's a lot of things that they're working on, in my opinion, right now, to right the ship and to get this thing back on track again. So I would say this to you. Okay, I think this buck game is going to be an interesting ball game here, to say the least here. Let's go over to my friend Philly 500 here and get his thoughts on what he's seen so far. Brother,
6: what's happening, man? How are you?
0: I got to give it to you, man. You were patient with Jordan Davis.
6: Yes, my man. I am his PR guy. We have been promoting him nonstop. And hey, listen, Jordan Davis looks good. Uh, he looks really good. I, I'm very happy with what I've seen from him so far. I see him on third down. I think he looks like he's improved his pass rush. He's got a sack and a half so far this year. And I think the combination of him and Jalen Carter is deadly. It's deadly. Are you concerned on what you've seen so far, though,
0: as an overall team in the first eight quarters?
6: I, I would be. I would be lying if I said I wasn't. Uh, There are things I'm definitely concerned about. Um, Some of it, you know, maybe is a little different than other people. Uh, You know, a lot of people are worried about the offense and how the offense looks and and Jalen Hurts. Um, Not that I don't worry about it, but I just think that when you look at, like, no preseason, then you come out week one and you're playing a horrible rain, you know, bad weather, and then you got to turn around and play on Thursday. I just wonder how much all that stuff is compounding uh, what's going on with them. So if this was, let's say, week six, week seven, and they look like this, I'd be a little more worried about it. Where I'm concerned about the Eagles more than anything is the middle of the defense. I, I think they got a big problem at linebacker, and I think they got problem at safety, and, and teams are going to keep attacking them over the middle of that field. And I don't think they have anybody on the field that can, that can show that they can stop it right now. So that's, that's my biggest concern.
0: I'm going to get to the defense here in a second. I want to go back to the offense. Well, if the offense is struggling, coming, struggling, I want to take that. I want to take that back because they are putting points up,
1: right? But
0: this is what I, and you tell me if you think I'm making more of this. So yet AJ Brown complaining on the sidelines to Jalen hurts about being open mm-hmm. today on WIP. Dallas Goddard is talking about his role in the passing game. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have two players that have voiced concern about their role in this offense. With all that yeah. being said, what's different? Is it really the loss of Miles Sanders? I mean, is it Sam? No. Is it God, no. Brian Johnson? Is it Jalen? Is it, or is it all of it?
6: I think it, I think it's all of it. I, I, I do think, that teams are giving them different, you know, they're showing different looks to uh, Jalen Hurts because there are a couple of plays, especially in that new England game where, where he's just holding up, trying to figure out what's going on a little too much. So I I think, you know, you know how it goes. You, You come out, somebody plays good defenses adjust and then the good players, the great players have to adjust to that. So I think that's what we're going through partly uh, but at the same time, I, you do have a new offensive coordinator, so things are a little bit different. Uh, you haven't played at all, um, and and I think AJ Brown, Dallas Scott are, are probably open a lot more, you know, than than we know. So they're probably a little bit frustrated. But um, you know, I, I think that, like I said, if, if this if this gets to like week six and week seven and it's still a problem, then then I think there's a problem. But I do I just don't know what is because of the new coordinator, what is because they haven't played, and then they played two games in five days, and what is Jalen Hurts uh, having to adjust and maybe having a problem with it or, or still learning? I, I'm not sure which is the biggest culprit right now. How, how,
0: how about this, too? I think they're having him play apprehensive.
1: You mm. know,
0: I've been bringing this up with people. You know, in the New England game, I saw him sliding, pre-sliding, I saw him sliding yeah. in the fight. Vi- I, I I get you're, you're you want to protect yourself and you want to play all seven. I get it, but I think that's affected the entire approach of the offense. That even the passing game looks apprehensive. The him running out in space looks apprehensive.
1: Mm-hmm. It's right.
0: almost like there's a confidence issue when it comes to the play caller and the quarterback, and I think it's affecting it. Am I making more of that because? What the next time you watch, yeah. I mean, he slipped last year. He didn't care about the contact that much this right. year. He's getting down prior to being hit. Mm-hmm. And those were extra five, 10, 15 yards per game. And also yeah. I thought it opened up the RPO a little more. And to yeah. me, it just,
6: maybe I'm making more of it. Philly. I, I, I have to, I mean, i have to go back and watch, um, because I mean, you, you could be right. I, I do feel like, um, You know, if you look in those first two games, I I thought there were times, especially in that first quarter of the Vikings, where they're like trying to run Jalen Hurts too much, like they're trying to force feed it. uh, And it it just wasn't there. I I think that natural progression for him as a quarterback, I I think you have to start to rely as you get older, more on your arm than your feet. That's what happens. I think quarterbacks that last in this league, uh, Randall, Steve Young, as they get older, they run less so um you know maybe it's it's just a matter of that I I'm, I'm not sure I, I really am not
0: let's go on the defensive side Eagles defense in the passing game they're ranked 31st yeah in the NFL right now um and you know Bradbury looks like he's coming back according to Nick it looks like uh, Blankenship is trending towards playing on Monday night and you got Mike Evans nine straight one. 1,000-yard seasons. The guy's a 10,000-yard guy. He's 29 years old. This guy's knocking on the door of the Hall of Fame. Baker Mayfield has his Bucks 2-0. That's a pretty good-looking defense on that side of the ball as well at every level. I mean, 31st-ranked defense in the past game. You're giving up 400 yards in total offense. I mean,
6: concern going into that Monday night game? Uh, Yeah, I think if they keep playing the way that they're playing, it is a concern. I think it'll be, you know, a close game. I think the spread was like, I forget what it was, but it was under seven. It it was
0: like six and a half, and now it's five.
6: Now it's five. See, when when it's around five or six and a half, that always makes me wonder what's going on, you know. But, um, yeah, I I expect it to be a a tight game. Until the Eagles kind of get rolling, I, I think it's going to be. Um, However, you know, the, the the defense is concerning, but it's the it's the middle of the field. I mean, you look how New England should never have been able to move the ball like that, but they just kept going to those tight ends, kept going over the middle field. I think that's a problem with linebackers and at safety right now, and and I think that's where the area they got to fix. I'm not so concerned about Slay and Bradbury. Bradbury didn't play. Uh, Monday night so I, I'm not worried about those guys but I do worry you got you no know, Avante Maddox now uh, you know Nicobe Dean did not look good in that first game and then he gets hurt so you're real thin at linebacker and then for whatever reason I don't think they they have given Sidney Brown uh, an opportunity to start right now and then you had no blanket chip. so I'm, I'm a little concerned about that middle of that defense. How about
0: this too maybe what's affecting that secondary a little bit is the ineffectiveness right now of Hassan Reddick because of his injury. Because right. when Reddick gets pressure and forcing fumbles and tackles for losses, you know, I mean, you're pressuring the quarterback. You don't have a lot of time to sit back there. You yeah. know, they did create four turnovers, that defense, in the last yeah. game. So, I mean, they've been, as Tona said, they've been a little bit oppor- opportunistic here. Still, you know, we all said it. I think you even said it too, Philly, that, you know, this defense is going to take a little time to gel there. And the right. offense can't have three and out, so this thing yeah. they're putting them really in a pretty tough position
6: right now. So yeah. Reddick's injury may be bigger than what we think. It, it, it might be, but you know what? You know what else I noticed is if you look at the New England game and you look at Minnesota, look how quick the quarterback gets the ball out. Yeah. They're getting the ball out like that, like it's got to be like one and a half seconds. It's gone, and you're playing seven, eight yards off the receivers. All they do is turn around. So I, I think that the Eagles. I'd like to see them press a little bit more, um, push up and challenge those receivers and maybe get get, you know, the quarterback to hold the ball longer because everybody's going to be scared of the Eagles pass rush and 70 sacks last year to get rid of the ball quick. The one play where Josh Sweat calls the fumble, uh, the defensive uh, player, I think it was a linebacker, slid over and and he wanted to go to Jefferson, but he had to hold the ball just a little longer. And it gave that defensive, uh, it gave the defensive line chance to get to him. So I, I think maybe some adjustments got to be in order because teams are going to just get rid of the ball like that. And if you give them seven, eight yards cushion, they're just going to take it all day. Couple last questions for you. Um,
0: your thoughts on the coaching head coach coordinators on both sides.
6: I I, I haven't been that impressed with the coordinators on both sides. Um, I, I was hoping I, I would like to see Sean decide a little more aggressive um, and, as far as uh, the offensive coordinator, um, there is just some calls he made it, it, the first game versus New England. And then I would say the first, maybe the first quarter in um, the Vikings game. What was nice was that he actually decided to start running and we got to see Deandre Swift and what he could do. And I'll tell you this, if Gainwell does not get hurt, we would have not have seen Deandre Swift. They would have gone with Gainwell. So I think we caught a giant break. Because I think now everybody knows DeAndre Swift's your number one running back.
0: What's their love affair with Gainwell?
6: I don't know. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I thought maybe, you know, it was because, you know, he was drafted and he's been there. But, I mean, you could clearly see that the difference in explosiveness between Gainwell and him. It's obvious. And I really wonder if Gainwell plays that Minnesota game, would we even have seen DeAndre Swift get that opportunity? I, I don't know.
0: Do you think Sirianni should take over the play calling if this thing goes sideways
6: on Monday? I I, I don't know about Monday. Like like to me, it, I, I know it sounds crazy, but we're all, we're we're only in September, and and yep. literally these guys didn't play at all preseason, right? So they didn't play all preseason. Even the offensive coordinator hasn't had a chance to adjust. And then you go from week one to week two. How can they really fix anything? In, in that short of a time from the New England game to that Vikings game on Thursday. So I, I actually thought in the second half uh, of that game, I thought they started to to kick off some of the rust and, and, and kind of get into a rhythm. So I expect them to be a lot better on Monday night and start to start to play better. But I still don't know how many games they need really before we can start saying, you know, yeah, we got to do something.
0: How about this one here? Last one here. Um, Do you think Monday dictates this? I think they're going to stick with people in-house right now. But if something looks bad past defense, I'm not saying lose, but something past defense, linebackers aren't cutting it. Does Howie make a trade? Because next year, it's like 12 or 14 picks they're going to have plus the compensation picks. Do yeah. you start packaging some of those things up to go I, to somebody I, and try to make a trade? I mean, do you think that Monday game kind of dictates that? Because if they win, they may just go in-house.
6: Oh, yeah. I, I, no, I, I think it's already in motion. <laughs> I don't think it matters whether they win or lose. I think, I think it's emotion. I think how he's doing his thing, man. He's calculating them calculations. He's figuring it out right now. You 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 don't. I don't need another week to know that you got to do something at linebacker and at safety. Um, so I, I I think that it's already in motion. Uh, it and it doesn't matter what happens on Monday night. That that's what I think.
0: Cowboys are the best team in the NFL right now.
6: Totally overrated. <laughs> totally overrated. <laughs> wait come a minute. Come on. Come, wait on, a come on. Wait. 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 The Giants couldn't pick their nose for six quarters didn't know what was going on. Then he plays, oh, what, Zach Wilson, the greatest backup quarterback ever. Uh he, They played nobody. The, let, let me tell you, that Jets game completely changed when Sauce Gardner drops an easy walk-in pick six for no reason. They didn't play anybody yet, Sills. How about the 49ers? 49ers are good. 49ers look good, and Purdy looks better than, than I, I expected. I, 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 I mean, I'm not saying Dallas is, isn't bad, but – but you know, the everybody around the league bend the knee to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Uh, they. They've. We'll, we'll see what they got. I don't think that that their offense has looked all that great, and they've played literally two offenses that can't do anything, can't do anything. But I think. I, I still think it's the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys in the conference. You know. Do,
2: do,
0: do you do you still think though that if you really had to put the first. I mean, but and people go, well, it's two games. Well, there's only 17 of these, so there's not a lot of them.
6: Yeah, Dolphins have probably looked the best. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Dolphins—they could score, man. I mean, they could score points, and they, yeah, Dolphins have looked pretty good. Although I, I thought New England did a pretty good job against the against their their offense for for a while, which you know made me feel a little bit better about how we played. (laughs) Um, but but yeah, I mean. It's early. It's really, you know, the only the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl in September. But what do they do in December? Right. They lose. They, they choke. It doesn't matter. I have seen this so many times with Here's Dallas. Here's their September they trophy. That's it. <laughs> they, they haven't done it. And I'm not saying that they're bad. We'll We'll see. But it's like, okay, you know, when, when we had Andy Reid and we would go to the NFC Championship game every year, it to me it didn't matter what we did in the regular season. It was like the our season doesn't begin until we get to that point we haven't been able to get past. I need to see that from the Cowboys. You know, Just that's not how sold, I. Do. Right. Is there yeah. anything the Cowboys could do to sell you? Trade me Michael Parsons. <laughs> Trading the Philly, right? Well, yeah, he'll he'll be an Eagle eventually. But no, I I I think that if the Cowboys beat some teams. That, you know, are pretty good. Like, okay, I think they play San Francisco in a few weeks. You go out and you beat the crap out of the Niners. I'm going to say, dang, Dallas is good. I think they got a layup game this week, too. Yeah, they got the Arizona. I mean, Arizona blew two leads in the first two. Just like I expect Jonathan. Hey, I'll tell you this. If Jonathan Gannon was our defensive coordinator, we would be 0-2 right now. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. We oh no, hey, to.
0: Philly, great point. I think the side with all the shit that's going
6: on back there, I yeah. think he's done a decent job. I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay with him. Yeah. I mean, there are things I like to see him yeah. do, but but yeah. he's. He, I do not believe Jonathan Gannon would have held on to to that Vikings game. There's no way, no way. Hey no, Stills, people- I wanted to I wanted to say uh, I I saw the vi- uh, interview at Rock last night, man. I thought that was fantastic, man. Man. I thought that was fantastic. Can, what a great I, guy! I, I can't
0: believe how um, and get this, uh, Tone was with me. You should have seen this dude. He spent like another like eight ten minutes with me after asking me about oh, my cool. daughter, just cutting things up. I mean, he yeah. could have stayed all day with us. I mean, I know they've already said they're going to do it again for us um, in a couple months. So I mean, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we 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 got a really great friend. I didn't know that he like didn't even knew who I was.
6: Right, you know what I mean. I know right. that he
0: played at Miami, but it was really cool. And yeah, we we're becoming closer and closer friends. I mean, he's texting me now. We talk. Who would have thought? Right. Get this. Yeah, I got I, I got twenty two dollars in my pocket, and I'm friends with Ice Cube and The Rock. <laughs> right. Fame is overrated, Philly. Always yeah. remember that. Fame I, is overrated.
6: Yeah. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Tell people is. where they can find you. Uh just type in Philly five hundred. It'll come up. Uh, you'll see me probably yelling at the, the, the camera or something, but there's always something going on. So, but uh, yeah, well, I Shane love that interview, Philly. man. Yeah, I, I love Thank that you interview so much. Yeah, Philly. man.
0: Thank you, man. Take for care. Spending time. such Absolutely. a legendary podcast that he does. This show's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, my man. Peace. You got it. All right, folks. I've been telling you this now with our friends at Hooters. By the way, okay, you've seen the code word that's been going through the last three hours. And all you have to do is email us your information. You get an opportunity at winning yourself some great gift certificates with our friends at Hooters. It's the 40th anniversary. You see the email right there, Show at gmail.com. We got two new winners. We've already done this now two straight weeks. Congratulations. Look at Maniac. Look at the Maniac, man. Jersey guy right there, man. He's part of the winning crew here with Andy Snyder. Congratulations to you guys. All you have to do is emails, the code word, you get in line, and next Monday we will announce the winners of this week's picking of the gift certificates from our friends at Hooters. Hit the timeout. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. We're going to take a timeout. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
3: and Hooters, the perfect pair.
0: Thank you to my boy, Philly 500. By the way, tomorrow, Seth Joyner and Boomer Esiason will join us. And we'll talk to those two dudes and get their spins on the Eagles, the NFL, or the Cowboys being overhyped too much. You know, if, if you're Dallas... This plays right into. I mean, look. I I shouldn't I shouldn't say that I I I, I would embrace this as much as possible. I, I I mean I would. You're expected to win. You have expectations to win. You're supposed to win. You 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 put yourself in. This is like the Dion factor in a way. Okay, this is like the DM. Hey, dude, I don't have a problem with teams that are expecting to. What's wrong with expecting to win a championship? You know, I I like how a lot of people look at half the story here when it comes to the Cowboys and Jerry Jones' ownership. You know, true, they haven't done shit in 27 years. I get it. But in his ownership, the entire book does say three Super Bowl trophies. You can't exclude that. Like you, you can't take three chapters out of the story. That's changing the narrative of his ownership. I mean, that's like you taking the Chip Kelly years out of Jeffrey Lurie. You can't tell the full story without putting all the chapters in the book. So we, we have a propensity to go, what have you done for me lately? And I I agree with that. I I'm not suggesting that that's not a conversation because it is what, are you consistent all the time? Are you a good team all the time? The Cowboys are a good team pretty much since Jones has owned the team. There's been some down times because of poor hires, meddling and getting in the way, poor draft choices. Okay? There's no question about it. But at the end of the day, would you rather be Jerry Jones? Hey, that's a great question. You know, Tony, I never thought of this. So would you rather have Jerry Jones as an owner or Jeffrey Lurie? Who's a better owner? You think Jeffrey Lurie's a better owner than Jerry Jones? Really? On what metric? I didn't hear it, Maniac. I'll go back and listen. It's not even close. I agree, Batman. I mean, what's your metric? Silver medals? Who's a better owner? The owner of the Cowboys? Or your owner in Philly? No, no, no. See, James is trying to dissect the ownership. Who's a better owner? Who's a better owner? Calvin says Jeffrey Laurie. Knowing everything I know, I still take Laurie. No metric of measuring stick for me. I don't like how Jerry moves, so I'm choosing Lori. I'm not gonna discount Jerry's contributions. I just don't like him. Okay. So you must not like the three rings. They got to keep it 100 sales. I got it. No, no. Ain't loyal to the soil. I got you. Interesting. You take a guy who's finished second more than you take a guy who's finished first. And a guy who's raised the standard of the league. And a guy who's changed the fortunes of the league. And has won three Super Bowls. And is a Hall of Famer himself, Jerry Jones is a Hall of Fame owner, too. Just, just, I mean, interesting. Interesting how, boy, this cowboy hate, man. Pretty deep. I think your real question is, would I take Jimmy over? <laughs> Uh, no, the question would be, would you take Jimmy over Andy? Or Doug? That's the question. <laughs> would you take Jimmy over Andy Reed? And Jimmy over Andy for sure. Them three rings come from Jimmy Johnson, not Jerry Jones. Oh, I can't. Hey, Barry got one. Yeah, Barry was the caretaker and the doorman on that one. Then he was fired two years later. Yeah. For his team going the other way. Jimmy just knows what buttons to push. See, I'm not getting caught on tape on this one. (laughs) People play this shit back and they'll play it back for him. I got caught once. I'm, I'm not getting caught in this one. No way. I have no, hey, I'm not getting caught on this one here, man. Go on, Celil. Tell us how you really, <laughs> don't be, <laughs> I am no way. No way. I'm not getting caught on this one here. Jimmy, you're the best. Jimmy, you won those Super Bowls without any help from Jerry. <laughs> there. I had, to, I had to put it out there. Jerry didn't gots to get those Super Bowl rings. There, I said it. <laughs> Arthur's like, back backpedal. Hey, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry I brought that freaking topic up. Hey, great, Tone. Way to produce that one for me. Tone made me back backpedal. Seriously, like I was Deion Sanders and a zone coverage now. Hey, Sills, wait a second here. How about Jones versus Jimmy? Hey, well, you know, what? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, There you go, Keon. Jerry hired Jimmy. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Jimmy was a scary MF for, oh, Hey, you guys see it every time he comes on and you hear me, what I say, that's not the same guy I played for (laughs) that. That's Hey, maniac. That's not the same guy I played for the guy you see on Fox. I don't know who that guy is. (laughs) That's not how he operated. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I told you I'm in Pittsburgh once. We're we're, on a, um, we're we're on a trip, and we're going to go play West Virginia. Guys were making noise, and Alonzo Highsmith and Michael and myself were kind of cracking jokes in the food line. This guy comes from the front of the damn line. He looks, and he starts ripping these freshmen. I'll send your freaking asses home on a bus. It'll take you weeks to get home. And he's looking at these freshmen, and finally, right before, because he knew it was me and Alonzo, he goes, "I will send all of you back." And he looked right at us, and he goes, "And I mean all of you." And I'm like, "This." He said it. <laughs> yeah, I, he said it. I did Alonzo goes like this. He looked at me. I go, "Hey, I didn't say shit." <laughs> <coughs> No. Oh man. Yeah, that's not the same guy, dude. That's not the same guy that uh you see on TV. That guy was a mean ass dude, dude. I got time for it, man. I'm gonna do it right now. The big sales top ten quarterbacks. We do it every Tuesday. Each Tuesday throughout the year ten Gino Smith Seahawks Nine The two and O Saints Derek Carr. Eight, Jared Goff. Seven, Josh Allen Bills. Six, Eagles Jalen Hurts. Five, Lamar Jackson Ravens. Four, Brock Purdy, 49ers. Three, Dak is back. Two, Toga Viola, Dolphins. And number one, hard to take this guy out of there. It's Patrick Mahomes. How you doing? Hurts is six this week. All right. Tomorrow, Seth Joyner. Boomer Esiason, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Make sure you please do me a favor and hit the like button here. Thank you again. Xander, Big Joe, we thank you. Tone, keep kicking ass. I'm glad to see that the internet was good today for you, brother. It's all good. Maybe a little crappy for me here today, but all good. We'll see you tomorrow, guys, 3 to 6, and we shall see you on the flip side.
3: Yo. Yeah. Football and Hooters, the perfect pair.